Today's sponsor is Audible. Please visit audiblepodcast.com slash baldmove for a free audiobook download. I asked my grandfather once, did you ever have to kill Germans in the war? And he said, that's an adult subject. Then I asked him if Germans had ever tried to kill him. And he looked away and he tried to change the topic. But then I asked him, Grandpa, why do you live in Argentina and speak with a thick German accent? And he said, why are you asking all of these questions? And then he goose-stepped right out the room. I guess what I'm trying to get at is this here, how we're living right now in this world, we are the walking dead. Now we ain't them. We ain't them? We ain't them. I know, man. I'm... I'm not saying like we're walkers. It's it's a metaphor. We ain't them. Look, it's like when you say you're as angry as a rabid possum with a furry tail. That, them fuckers mean. You don't know. They mean as hell. I'm saying we're the walking dead in a literary sense. We ain't them. Are, are you going to cry? Maybe. Are you burning yourself with that cigarette? What the fuck, Daryl? I am the emotional ashtray of this group. Only good for extinguishing life's pain. There you go. It's like I was saying about us being dead. Hey, we ain't them. God damn it. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. And I am Aaron. And today we're discussing Season 5, Episode 10, entitled Them. Uh, this is another slow one. Right off the back of last week's kind of slow one, but eventful one. This well, week it is a slow and non-eventful episode. Yes. Um, and I... So, part of it is that the episode is just slow and, you know, not good. But also... I think you and Nathan P said the same thing. He said, I would argue you guys overhyped me for what was going to happen on this week's episode. <laughs> you discussing how the episode may be the show's interpretation of Stephen King's The Long Walk with added zombies and hunting dogs just had his expectations sky high. Yeah. And I was thinking the same thing like, oh, that would be a really cool idea. Like, they're hounded all the way to DC by this herd of zombies. Maybe not a full-blown herd, but something too big for you to stop and deal with. Sure. Especially, and and you couldn't gather water, you couldn't gather supplies. Like, it'd be, and what we got, like, you know, we're thinking they they teased the wolves, and we thought there were going to be packs of feral dogs or wolves, and that... And there was, but not really. but it was like, you know, dealt with within seconds. Just, I don't know. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for putting grand ideas in your head <laughs> that this show might actually deliver on some level other than it has been, but that's what I really wanted. Now, I'm with you. I really wanted that. This, a lot of this episode was 
devoted to what I would argue as damage control over the Maggie situation yeah. that is just yeah. too far gone. Mm-hmm. Like they they really just need to move on and let us and put let us put some metaphorical distance between that plot and this before we can start kind of caring about Maggie and Glenn. I feel like this would have been an okay place for them to kind of stop and deal with those issues because a lot of people are dealing with those issues right now. I mean, sure. Sasha, Maggie, Daryl, all of them. Except the Maggie thing was complete bullshit because uh-huh. she never cared before, uh, and they tried to w- hand wave it away, um, and and it was just like all around too slow. I, I don't I don't know. I've been having a problem with the pacing of shows lately, but I feel like it's warranted. I I don't think it's just me wanting things to move the, faster. The, the Walking Dead, especially, especially, I don't think is the kind of show the way it's constructed. Like it it could have been this kind of show. It's not the kind of show that it seems it pays well when things slow down and we're going on two slow episodes in a row. Hmm. Um, but yeah. the walking dead, as it so does so well, just what I'm like, Oh God, I'm not even sure I'm looking forward to next week. <laughs> Last 30 seconds, they put in some intriguing possibilities and questions and like, God damn it. Now I'm gonna have to see what yeah, happens. That guy, Aaron showing up. Yeah. The double a Ron, you got to watch out yep. for them. You should. Uh, I want to talk about the construction of this episode. Uh, who's responsible? Who is responsible for this? And then we've got a couple of words to say okay. about Bald Move. Uh, it's directed by Julius Ramsey, who, you know, there's a lot of, like, Walking Dead rookies. Where they don't have a lot of experience. This guy has got a ton of experience as an editor. Uh, 21 episodes of Walking Dead, uh, Battlestar Galactica, Alias, um you know that's some of the highbrow stuff he's also done the bachelorette and the american idol mm-hmm. uh okay. and fear factor but he's got a lot of experience on this he's only had two directorial outings uh the episode from last season still which was kind of daryl and beth's coming out party it's pretty slow but too yeah i like i liked a lot yeah a lot of the internet did not like that and then he's got this uh heather belson um has only got three writing credits walking dead black sales and unforgettable uh, I don't even was never aware of Unforgettable to have the opportunity to forget it. Black <laughs> Sails, of course, is the pirate quasi fictional thing yeah. uh, series on the history History Channel, I think. And then you know, got The Walking Dead. She wrote them and Self Help, uh, which we kind of were fans of. So, and I think this episode was really well shot there's some gorgeous scenes and some really nice shot composition it just is in the service of nothing going on <laughs> i think Seppenwall yeah. said it best there's like five to six minutes of character development plot that stretched over 45 minutes of television and it's just too much too much sure before we get into the recap let's talk about the future of bald move shall we Okay, sounds good. Um, We're making some changes to the uh, direct listener support scheme. Um, And there's a lot of reasons why we're doing this. We, you know, Jim and I, over the holidays in early January, we had a bunch of think sessions where we're like, what's the future of Bald Move looking like? And we started thinking of new types of content we could do, new types of, um, uh, you know, premium type of stuff, new different experiences that we could bring the listeners more into the studio and kind of flex our creativity a little bit. And we started thinking like, you know, what tiers should that be and what price? <laughs> and we started getting depressed because like you can rapidly come up into a situation where you're doing stuff you, that's really cool and you're really proud of and like 20 people are watching it. 
Yeah. And that's no fun because, you know, our goal is uh, to give this stuff to as many people as we can because we think it's cool and we like doing it. And we're at odds of our other goal, which is to put food on our table. Sure. So, um, you know, we did some surveys and people said, hey, we love what you're doing. Uh, you know, across the board, everybody is super satisfied. Um, but, you know, so the the there's a couple things we kept coming across is, you know, some people just aren't going to support podcasts. Um, and then there's other people that want to, but, you know, at the $5 price point where they could get the live watches and all that stuff is just too expensive. So we're like... What if we charged a buck a month and you got everything? There's That's n- insane. There's no tiers. They're like, you know, Johnson Johnson baby tiers. There's no tiers as far as support levels. There's just no tiers all around. Everybody that wants it can get the stuff and we can get paid. And we kind of like were joking about the buck a month. And then we started thinking about it seriously. Sounds crazy. There's no way we can do that, right? Well, it turns out... Uh, <laughs> The credit card fees would eat us alive at a buck a month. Unfortunately, yeah. But what we did do is you can get all the content for two bucks a month, or you can still get the buck a month if you if you buy it a year at a time. You get the the, the one year subscription. It's twelve dollars, and that's a dollar a month. If I my if my algebra, if my trigonometry checks out, so you sure. can still get that. It's a fantastic deal. What we're talking about is you get ad free feeds. You get uh, access to all of our live content where we're actually recording a podcast. We're doing live watches, which by, if you're not paying attention to anything, pay attention to this. We're going to do a public demonstration of this technology this weekend. So yep, for on, the watching or Walking Dead. At 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, we're going to start a stream where it's me and Jim watching television. Um, we've got kind of an innovative way to show just enough of the video that you can kind of get synchronized with us and you can, you know, either pause your DVR or pause the stream to, to, so you can watch it in real time with us. Um, but not enough that we'll get sued by AMC. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't really watch the episode that way, but you can certainly have it as a second screen experience. Sure. And all this stuff that we're talking about is going to be under one banner, which is Club Bald Move. Yep. Uh, you'll just be able, as of now... As of right now, you can right go now. to the website. You can, you can, yeah, go to, uh, th- there's a big button right in the middle of the homepage now. Yep. It says join the club. Uh, you can go sign up for that and get access to everything that we currently have in the feature set and a lot of stuff that's going to be coming up in the future. We want to add a whole bunch of like, you know, ad free website stuff and just a whole bunch of other stuff that we think is fun and good for the listener. Yeah, we're going to start doing skits again, you do video skits. There's a whole bunch of stuff we've got and more to come. Yeah, none of that's going to cost you extra. So you you pay for your $1 or $2 a month right at, right now. Uh, you get all that stuff. We're just going to start adding it to the yeah. list. And now, you know, this price point is contingent on us getting a reasonably high, like we're not setting lofty goals, but somewhere between, we'd like for 3 to 5% of the audience to pitch in this way. And it's also yeah, like, it's, it's, it's it's super important. I mean, if if it doesn't happen, we're going to have to do something else. Uh, yeah, you know, because <laughs> the old old way was working. It's just we didn't want to be doing this for an ever ex- more exclusive set of our fans. We want to be doing it for you know, price this out to anybody who wants it can get it. Um, and also, it's pay what you sure. want too. So if you you know think the content is worth three bucks a month or five bucks a month or whatever, feel free to pay that. But we also want any, anyone that can reasonably get it to get it. Um, 
and there's a lot of other nice things like now it's like as soon as you sign up you get access to the vip section of the forums Mm -hmm. uh, which are going to be going down for maintenance tonight so we can switch over to the new system and uh there's a lot you can unlock immediately you can just go play the podcast off our website ad free you can get access to the ad free feed a lot of stuff just happens automatically we don't have to do it manual anymore yep so sorry to take some minutes to talk about this, but you know, there's a there's been a long time coming. We've got some inside information too about the fate of some of these uh crowdsourced pod there's crowdsourced funding sites that we yeah. were kind of uneasy about and we're trying to get ahead of this. You know, this is all about trying to put as much of Bald Moose future in our hands. Like, you know, something that Bezos uh, copper mad warlord that he is can't take from us something that you know patreon and subable can't go under and jeopardize this is something that we control and we really appreciate everybody that helps us out in yeah in- and ultimately i mean something that the audience controls you know i mean they're True. they're you guys are going to be the ones determining whether or not this works for us i mean you, you said earlier like what we were doing is working but not really i mean it, it was w- starting to work it's starting to work but it's slow uh, but it's very very slow and like you said it's not something that we have much control over mm-hmm. um so as an audience if you guys are able to step up and show us some support we want to give a lot of stuff back to you and and if you look at our like our subable or our patreon tiers this is a lot cheaper than many of those tiers. So the people who were at $5, who were at $10, can get all of the stuff they got before for a much cheaper price. Sure. We think that's good for everybody. Yes. Us included. Yes. I mean, we're we're thinking that this is such an attractive deal, and there'll be so much cool stuff that you guys will want to get, that this will make everybody, it'll make every, everybody's while worth it. I hope so. <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> if not, we'll try something else. We're We're out here scrapping, guys. Sure. Aaron's got the hobo beard. We could go. We could start begging on the streets. I could. Buskin got yeah. a dollar. That's essentially what we're doing. Got a. Do- Have you seen last week's episode of Portlandia? We are sitting on the sidewalk. We're banging drums and yep. saying, "Got a dollar." So sure. if you got a dollar, go to Club Bald Move. Go to baldmove.com. It's like all over. Like yeah, so many different ways to get to the button that lets you join up. Let's move on, man. Yeah, please. Are that we ready for the crazy. recap? We 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 are ready for the recap. Okay, cool. Uh, we start off with Maggie crying I, about Beth, about Tyrese, about the world. I don't know. I don't know what she's crying about because she wasn't crying about it last season. Uh, th- uh, some walker comes shambling up behind her. She doesn't really care much. And right. then she turns around and finally, okay, fine, I'll kill it. Mm-hmm. And she does. And then she goes right back to crying. Uh, I like the fact that it's, we're seeing a fresh face Maggie Green. I remember I've been, you know, going back to see to watch season two a lot to work on my the second installment of Survival Guide, and I was shocked at how girl next door Maggie was like, and and as a corollary, how like weirdly salon quality makeup and hair and nails she's had of recent seasons. Yeah, yeah. I mean her clothes are filthy, but she's uh, clearly more made up, and I kind of like the more realistic look of everyone in this episode every time i've seen lauren cohan it always looks like she's wearing a little too much makeup like in in real life or on interviews or anything like that Mm -hmm. it always looks like they want they have a tendency to make her up more than she needs to be Uh, i don't know about that and i wonder if that tendency kind of bled into the show a little bit but that's that's what i've noticed i do like the tom the more gritty realistic tomboy look for her um at, at any rate but she's uh, also, a big movie star now. You can't. She's a true. big TV and film star. She true. can't be uh, walking around with no makeup, no hair. I noticed that 
the way she's wearing her rings, um, I, I can't remember if her and Glenn are actually married at this point. They probably did some backyard prison marriage. I feel like that that would be a much bigger memory, but one hint that is that she's wearing her engagement ring uh, first on her finger and then the wedding ring, which I think if you're married, it's supposed to be the opposite. Oh, is she double ringing it? Yeah, she's I didn't got even the, the wedding and the, the engagement ring, okay. but I thought tradition says that the wedding ring's closest to your heart. So it's the first one on your finger, then the engagement ring. She's got the reverse. I okay. don't know if there's anything there there. Yeah, she reversed him. Glenn, Glenn took a little too long finding her. <laughs> she reversed him, and she just hasn't got around That's to That's how he knows where he's standing. Yeah. Oh, it's a, it's an engagement ring first kind of day, is it? <laughs> all right, all right. Drink some fucking water. I, I'll give her her space today, I guess. <laughs> uh, uh, Daryl digs up some worms, yep. and he eats them. And it's it's very obvious at this point that they're getting desperate for food, right? Is that what we're doing on lunch with Jim and Aaron this week? Worms, yeah, eating wor- live earthworms. Yep, that's for sure. We did bugs last week. This week it's worms. <laughs> it's it's turning in like ones I said. It's, this is slowly turning into Fear Factor. Sure, we've we've got <laughs> other things, other insects ready to eat lined up. Never uh, happening. Yeah, but but Daryl's doing it. Um, and then Sasha is looking for food, and she finds some dead frogs, and she's like, nope. No, so no this, food or water down here. This is starting to become kind of like already. It took me a long time to figure out what they're doing, which is looking for water when yeah. everything around here looks like it's super lush. You're right. The, this the sand that she kicks around in is mud. It's damp. Like yeah, there, you could probably dig a foot down here and get water. Uh, these I, I also frogs don't just do that. Die with no water. No, they they have other ways of like they can go into hybrid you don't normally see just a bunch of dead frogs lying around because they're too stupid to fucking find water yeah uh, i felt like that was you know there there's a theme of kind of the the entire planet just trying to kill these people yeah the, throughout this episode and i felt like that was good that that caused a little bit of dread but it was kind of undermined by you know the just foliage everywhere. Well, see, I made a joke. Woods. I made a joke about on the live watch about God damn it, Moses. What here? You know, it's like it's it's one of the ten plagues, right? Oh yeah, with the frogs. And uh. then Aaron shows up at the end, which was Moses <laughs> Moses forerunner yep. spokesperson sidekick. Uh-huh. Yes, yep. he's he's His the sidekick. Old Testament sidekick. <laughs> I wonder if this is another thing where they're going for something kind of arty and symbolic, and it just isn't landing. Well, you were talking about Rick's beard as well. Rick's beard does also looks very mosaic. Yeah. Like it's, and he's, I, he's I feel like his him. beard aged 30 years since last episode. It's, <laughs> it's getting some gray in it, some grizzle. And I should know. I'm an expert at gray grizzled beards. You're right. Maybe, maybe there is a theme. There's certainly a theme of uh, Gabriel losing his religion, forsaking his God in this episode, and then yeah. being sorry about that. Yeah. Uh, I'm just saying, if you're going to contrive a situation, I'd rather have a contrived situation of them trying to outpace the herd than they can't find water and they're too weak to fight and all that. It's I don't know. I the the it didn't look like the place was out of water. Um, I had multiple people write in to say like, no, this place in Virginia is like the if if of course they're still in Georgia. Number one, number two, are, like I, they aren't. Huh? They they made it outside of I Richmond. I know, but they're physically filming. Oh, gotcha. Yes, in Georgia, you are correct. But where they're supposed to be, people from the area like that's a watershed area. It's yeah. like tons of water all around. Like even the driest parts, it never gets that dry, and it just 
you know, it'd be like if they tried to say that this is Tatooine. It's like, but there's trees and there's grass. It looks like indoor. What the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, then, I don't want to belabor this throughout the whole episode. Yes, yeah, so get it out up at front. But I'm just yeah. saying that that was a constant annoyance throughout the whole episode. They're supposedly desperate for water. Yep. But nothing looks like it. Sure. I'm with you. Um, speaking of uh, Sasha and these these dead frogs, she's kicking around. And I noticed her boot style starting to look a lot like Michonne's. With kind of half unlaced with the tops flopping around. Like, Hmm. I don't know if that's to just stay cool. Uh, It certainly impedes their their ankle support. Sure. I'll tell you that. The purpose of those boots. Right. Uh, Gives a nice convenient flap for a walker to grab onto. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We'll talk about Daryl's. But when it starts downpouring water, it collects, you know... The def- it's a oh funnel yeah yeah so, she so you just care- take the boot off and yeah drink she's got a desperation water supply right there <laughs> no. no problem you thought it was bad in the instant cast when I said take off your shirts and wring them out into bottles <laughs> take off your bad. boots oh drink out of a boot Oof. is that wasn't that like a someone just told me that that was some kind of tradition that you drank out of a starlet's heel. It was in conjunction. I, I watched the Phantom of the Opera for the first time, and someone, uh, my, yeah, it was my girlfriend. She said that, that I get people were drinking out of this woman's heels, and I was like, Ugh. gross. She's like, yeah, yeah, that used to be like a showbiz tradition or like an opera house tradition. And I'm like, okay, yeah, like before or after the show? Uh, all just yeah, <laughs> is there the an appropriate time, time to <laughs> drink out of someone's shoe? I think Let's, there's a more. Or... There is. There's a situation. There's yes. a, there's an appropriate yes. time just out the box. Yeah, they I got mean, some fresh kicks. They're you know, uh-huh. you, you slip them on, you take them off. I drink out of them. That's fine. Okay. I'm okay with that. Or if they're the the proverbial glass slipper, <laughs> you know, you can put those in some hot water. Yeah, they're, yeah. I mm. drink out of that. Why not? All right, they they're walking back to the van, um, and Maggie's questioning, you know, how much longer they can survive. It's been a day and a half without water. Sasha. Yeah, day and a half, no food, no water. They have sixty miles to get to DC, so they've made it forty. We knew they were a hundred out last time. Yeah. Uh, seems like you're right. We were talking about this earlier. The first 500 miles, a breeze. The next 100 were the impossible part. Yeah. It's always the t- the last 10% that's the hardest part of the journey. Yeah, this group made it from Georgia to Richmond, Virginia. No bubbles, no troubles, not running out of water, you know, no more than average difficulty, and yep. so close yet so very far away. Indeed. Uh, the van runs out of gas, so they start walking down the road, and they notice, hey, we're being followed by walkers. And Daryl's like, uh, should we take them out? I'm like, nah, we'll, we'll get them later. Also, we this is the first of the theme of people trying to get Daryl to deal with his grief. And yeah. we also have a clear-cut timeline. Rick says it's been three weeks since Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Uh, he says, I know you lost something back there, which that's an open question. What exactly Daryl lost? Um, yeah, so he lost something with Beth. Um, and I think, you know, he started he started to open up to Beth a lot, a lot more than anybody else, even Carol, honestly. Well, like, which is a, a sets up a kind of nice scene between those two. Yeah, it does. Uh, so I think maybe he lost kind of what he felt as a companion in this world mm-hmm. a little bit. Uh, wh- whether that's, you know, we speculated on whether that's a sexual thing, whether that's romantic a... Romantic or what that even means to a uh-huh. guy who is abused as a child. Um, it could mean a lot of things. And the thing yeah. is... It certainly was a relationship, and there was a lot of potential future in one way or another, and mm-hmm. it's certainly something I believe Daryl would, would mourn Yeah, the I loss so. of. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Daryl goes off to 
find some water. I, after seeing the scene at the end, I totally don't believe he was going to find water. He was going to burn himself and cry. Uh, Carol follows <laughs> I'm him, go, I'm going to go crack the top off one of them frogs and drink it down. <laughs> yeah, but Carol follows him, spoiling his plan. Uh, and then Carl walks up to Maggie and hands her a music box, which we will come into play later. Carl making a move? No, I don't think so. Like, oh, Beth is gone. The closest one of my age now is Maggie. Gotta gotta take a step up. I don't think. I think that you know, like you're 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 twelve, thirteen, fourteen years old. Like I believe there's there's that situation where, you know, a twenty four year old woman, like you know there's no possibility, but you still try to do like the little boy things to get their attention and flirt with them, and they are like, Oh, that's so yeah. sweet and that makes it feel good and you're not really sure. I mean think there's something there but it's not like serious he's trying to well when glenn walked up and hissed at him i (laughs) i got the point yeah he like uh jiggles the pocket watch (laughs) so got the keys yeah beat it punk yep uh and then we see gabriel fidgeting with his collar and he's telling maggie uh all about hair shirts which she knows about i've seen the da vinci code okay (laughs) And all about your goddamn hair shirts and your flagellation belts and whatever the fuck you're doing. Yep. Sicko. All that kind of weird shit. Uh, she's not impressed with his religion at all, but he won't let it go. And so she brings up him not saving his congregation. Boom. She rolls a natural 20 and hit for critical emotional damage. And the way she yeah. said it was so cold. And then just walks off. And like... I was I like that. I I was kind of yeah. uh, confused by the lack of water, but I I like this early conflict because someone's needed to tell Gabriel that for a while now. I'm surprised Gabriel hasn't learned his lesson. Like he does in this episode. Well, they let him, but then they, they, they him bring preach, him back in. They let him preach over Tyree's body, and he got mm-hmm. a you know clergy boner, and uh, you know, yeah, I feel like. It lasted over four hours, and someone needed to call the doctor, and Maggie was that someone. So I'm definitely in Maggie's boat here. I am all about, in the zombie apocalypse, religion has no place. Your god has already forsaken you. Sure. Look at the surrounding landscape. But this episode brings that back around with the miraculous shit that happens at the end, and we'll talk about that, I guess, Mm -hmm. when we get there. Yeah. It's It has me torn on what this show is trying to say. Hmm. Um, which we talked about a little bit in the instant cast, but we'll probably talk more about here. Yeah, and I'll talk a little bit more because I I wasn't aware, but I guess there's kind of a definitive answer in the comic books as far as in Kirkman's mind, which we can talk about in the spoiler section. But uh, um, I was the same way. I thought we were pretty, uh, you know, Nietzschean. uh, I don't know how you pronounce that. Mm -hmm. uh, In the God is Dead part of the, the Walking Dead universe, but apparently not. He's making a comeback. I think so. Uh more following by the walkers they're being stalked by walkers mm, walker stalkers uh, obvious reference there i wonder if they're actually making a reference to the convention <laughs> uh <laughs> i don't know. i don't know potentially uh sasha someone, thinks... someone should have said that if they're going to do that and i'm sure uh eric and james would have flipped their shit but if someone had said oh, yeah. those walkers are stalking us that would have been pretty uh-huh. come on would have killed you gimple yeah would have killed you <laughs> Uh, Sasha thinks they can take the walkers and Michonne agrees, but doesn't think it's the right time. They're, they're almost out of gas here. And she tries to give a pep talk to talk to Sasha with, you know, stuff about her brother being 
weak i don't know or being strong you're pissed. your brother's pissed but it made him stupid because yeah she, and you're starting to act the same way don't act that way i feel like it's michonne's curse that she's going to be with these people when they <laughs> do stupid stuff because this was essentially mm-hmm. the bridge was her green wall of ivy moment oh my god yeah where yeah, it was bob going insane you mean tyrese was it Tyrese who did that? Yeah, Tyrese yeah, was. is the green wall yeah. of walkers where he was just being an unreasonable right. asshole that whole episode. Yep, almost got eaten for it. Yep, and almost got everyone else eaten too. And this yeah. was that writ large. And, you know, it's it's Sasha saying, we're not the same. We never were. Give me five minutes. I'll show you we're exactly the same. And it's like, you know, I got feedback from people where that worked. To me, it's dumb. It's dumb to spend so many episodes showing the clear differences between Tyrese and Sasha and how they roll and then to show that yeah. they're also the same in an annoying way that threatens the entire group and it makes the entire group deal with them in kind of a stilted manner. I just don't get it. How about this as a devil's advocate position? Do it. Do you think Satan that they are showing Tyrese's uh attitude kind of infecting the rest of the group? Because I know we were we were talking but what um, is Tyrese's attitude is Tyrese's attitude this pissy um sulky weirdly no it's the same attitude the Bob it's the same attitude that Bob had you know like the world doesn't have to change you uh last episode when Tyrese died we saw the world does necessarily change you or you die it, it, it either changes you into something that can survive in this world or something that shambles around in this world uh i i wonder if they're not trying to say okay his attitude toward the world is starting to infect the rest of the group and that might get them killed as well like they need to harden up a little bit and kind of deal with the world as, on the world's terms Eh, maybe i don't know if, if they're going for that they undermine it at the end of the episode as well okay so i like i don't i don't know all right no i uh, to me it's like ultimately that stuff is all fine as long as it can also be entertaining and uh-huh. i think for the vast majority of people this was not an entertaining episode so it doesn't no. really matter what they're trying to do. And that's the thing. Like, yeah, I, I, we do get that occasionally feedback. Where it's like, well, they're trying to do this or trying to do that. It's like, ultimately, you have to be entertained before you put up with any of that shit. Like, I agree. The, the reason Especially that, in this show. The reason that some of these shows like, you know, Breaking Bad, The Leftovers, True Detective, etc., you know, The Wires, this to the nth degree, the reason they're able to pull so much social commentary and and symbol symbolism and kind of re- reflective slow artsy things is because they are also relentlessly watchable mm-hmm. and you know this this was not like the last two episodes if i had my cell phone in front of me i would have probably been fumbling i you know you, that's my ga- that's my um barometer for how engaging something is and oh. i tempted to pick up my cell phone and start yeah. browsing random stuff while i'm watching it and letting my attention wander yeah, two episodes in a row, large stretches of the episode. I'm feeling that kind of antsy, you know, palms yeah. itching. I can phone. understand why. These have both been very slow episodes. Um, where are we? Oh, now that they're alone, Carol tries to talk to Daryl out in the field about Beth dying. Uh, Daryl's not really into that emotional shit, so Carol gives him Beth's knife and tells him to unleash his grief. Mm-hmm. You need to. Have a nice, long, ugly cry, mm-hmm. Daryl. Daryl doesn't give in there. I'm just hoping that that, bl- that blade had, like, doodlebug etched <laughs> in, like, really awesome gothic script. Uh-huh. You know, like, badass. Uh, 
I I like this scene because we know that Carol. I don't know how Daryl feels about Carol romantically. Sure. But I'm pretty damn sure that Carol has many times signaled that she wouldn't mind climbing Daryl like a tree. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it goes further than that, who knows? But that's that she, she's come on and been flirty with him on multiple occasions. And I thought it was pretty generous of her to acknowledge this kind of elephant in the room with Beth and his reaction to her and, and uh, you know, be there for him on the friend level. And pretty perceptive like i yes not very many of the other people in this group either a understand what he's going through or b give a shit yes and Uh, she can relate to him might be the only other one here and she can relate to him on you know what it's like to deal with the people that claim they love you they're abusive and she knows what it's like to you know have these kind of complicated feelings of loss um you know i gotta give him credit they set up these two kind of parallel storylines with yes. Carol and Daryl both being abused in a way that was very not obvious at the start. Sure. Right? Like, it, it, I, it wasn't just like, oh, well, here's obviously two people who have been abused. They're going to connect. Yes. Obviously, this is going to be a thing. No, they very naturally and very organically through this series have set those relationships in motion. And the way that they've come together has been just really good. No. Really, really good. And this scene works because of that shared history. If you imagine if you're just watching this, like if you just came in not knowing you're like, this scene's I don't get it. It's dumb. But I like the fact that you, you know, it takes five seasons to get to a point where you can tell this subtle of a story. Yeah. And that's one of the problems the Walking Dead has is because it recycles so many of the cast, it's very, very hard to make those long term connections with characters. Sure. And it's so easy to make a misstep and then turn your audience like, you know, many, many people don't give a shit about uh, Glenn and Maggie who mm-hmm. could, you know, they're, they're, there's only six episodes that Carol has on Maggie for people to give a shit. And people mm-hmm. really like Maggie and, and Glenn. And I know a lot of people still do. Yeah. But for me, I don't care about them as much because of the stuff that's happened in the last two seasons. Sure. I'm right there with like you. Like Pete Glenn and Maggie was probably their abduction by the governor. Yeah. And it's kind of been downhill ever since. Yep. Agreed. So the group ends up at a bridge and they stop. They decide we're going to, this is now a good time to dispatch some of these walkers. Uh, the plan's going off really well. And they're tossing down in a ravine or down in the, the riverbed. Damien Bashir shows up and says, I hear you have a bridge <laughs> where murder is happening. Something almost as ridiculous happens. Then Sasha. He gets, then he gets, can- he gets canceled and thrown off the bridge. Sasha goes crazy. She almost kills everyone in the group with her sword. Like directly. She almost directly kills three people. I mean, people. can we not let them just have a clever zombie killing plan? No. Can this can can they that formulate something that like oh oh I see what they're going to do here this was actually pretty smart and it's working exactly as intended and then it did yeah like why did Sasha do this I Sasha I I kind of get it I mean if you're hungry you're thirsty you've been walking for miles and miles and miles the the world has just been shitting all over you you just lost your brother I could see why you might crack in a moment, you know? I could see where you would kind of lose it for a second, and I, we've seen other characters do that. We've seen Rick go full-on crazy for I a know. While. We've seen too many characters do this. Okay, that's fair. Uh, and I saw her I think older world, brother do this two seasons ago. Yeah, yeah. The, the world is just shitting on them, and, and some people can't take it. Apparently everyone 
in this world can't take it. But it's like Daryl can. That's it. So if that's a natural reaction, other natural reaction was be for the other groups, the the members to turn on them because mm-hmm. that's just not cool. I mean, she in a space of thirty seconds almost guts Michonne. Yep. Her actions directly led to Rick almost getting bitten. And if it hadn't been for Daryl's miraculous timing of stopping the walker, Rick would have gotten bit. Yeah, and she sliced. I thought I might have missed read this, but she uh-uh. actually cuts Abraham with a zombie blood soaked blade, which yep. I don't think anything is going to come of, which is another head scratcher to me. And yeah, they're treating her as if she is on a reality show acting out like this is, you know, America's top model and she's not had her Rice Krispie treat for today and she's going on a rager and, you know. Okay. I want to see like you are you are putting us all at fucking risk. Yeah, I've come up with a new term for devil's advocate. Okay, the internet advocate. The internet. I okay. I, I think that the internet right now would be screaming, "Isn't it cool to see the world one by one break these people?" In a very similar way. But again, doesn't what, that say a lot about the situation they're dealing with? But if well, so what's so if that happens, and what does that do to the group dynamic? In this world, it doesn't do anything. Everyone can just freak out, and it doesn't really have any larger impact on, you know, like Rick after he hulks out sure. and almost threatens Glenn. He comes out of the tombs and washes his face, and everybody, all is forgiven. Um, nobody has to deal with any stink eye. Nobody has to deal with any shit. I, I don't know. Like, I, I just, it's annoying to me. I, I, it's, un, it's, it's hard for me to watch people put other people at risk for no other reason than pure selfish giving in to their emotions okay all right that's all i'm saying sounds good uh plan just got dicked that's all i'm saying the plan got (laughs) that's one of my favorite lines in the episode plan got dicked plan got dicked abraham has a quite a way with words he does uh they continue walking they find a couple of cars daryl says hey i'm i'm gonna circle around through the woods Maggie goes in to inspect the cars. Yeah, fuck all you. By you can do as much circle as you want. I'm <laughs> uh huh. I really I'm not waiting for that shit. I'm going in. Really weird. Sh- I was like, okay, yeah, circling around. This could be a trap. Very smart. Uh huh. Yep. But the plot rolls on. The plot doesn't <laughs> give a shit about Daryl having a clever thought. It's just no. Go ahead in on in. Yeah. Alone, apparently. Yeah, I like, love how the the episode before Rick is talking about why they can't stay in a place and all the tactics involved in that, and now they're just. Daryl's going to go around with good tactics. Maggie doesn't care. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, you know, where the way it's shot, it's like it's, they're all together. Daryl's going to circle around. Then Maggie's up here at the cars, and no one's in the next county. Yeah. Until she shuts the door, opens the door, and then almost whips out her gun, and then Glenn's there to stop her in the nick of time. But, like, that's really odd. Like, I... It's weirdly shot, yeah. We got someone that's more of a cinemaphile than me uh, in the feedback kind of talking about the difference between last episode and this episode favorably. Mm-hmm. But to me, this was full of a lot of things that were shot where I felt like I didn't know what was going on. I didn't know who was in the scene, how much like it felt like a weird jump. Daryl walks off, says he's going to scout it out. And immediately Maggie's at the trunk. Yeah. That does. I felt lost as a viewer. Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Uh, So she finds a walker tied up in the trunk here. She shuts it in and then thinks better of it, says, oh, I'm going to go back and kill it. Which, if Maggie had been able to shoot that lock and drawn more walkers, Oh, I my don't. God. 
I don't I, know I was, what I would have done. I was yelling at my TV, do do not shoot that lock. Do no. not shoot that lock. No, you that can, is so dumb. You can see our live reaction. We were both <laughs> like, thank God for Glenn. But like, uh, God damn it. Yeah, so instead Glenn goes in and kills it for her. Uh, she's, man, Maggie is losing hope at this point. And she sees that walker. What What do you think is going through her head when she sees this walker? What's going through your head when she sees this walker? The first yeah. thing I thought is this is a rough Beth analog. Mm, okay. It's kind like of... Like maybe Beth being tied up perhaps in the trunk of that that cross car? Kind of, but more as like um, this is a, you know, a, a toe-headed, kind of similar in broad strokes dress and maybe even the same age, although it's hard to tell. Very hard to tell. And, yeah. like, you know, this is what happens to young girls in this world. It's what happens uh, to young girls in our world um, mm-hmm. uh, uh, more times than we care to admit. But, um, yeah, it, I felt like it's just a reminder of Beth, and they're trying to do this thing where Maggie's first reaction was to ignore it, and they're trying to make a parallel to how this is kind of the bridge to the next sequence so she can talk about and try to make us all good with her feelings about Beth, which I don't think worked. Yeah. But it's, it's not bad. Like I could see this working in a world where they had done any kind of work, which this is something Seppenwall said in his review too. All this would have worked much better if we, you know, if we had gotten a hint of this motivation in any of the episodes between season four and now, yeah. Like all we needed is one scene where people like, you know, when she meets up with Glenn, he's like, now we just need to find your sister. I'm not even going to worry about it. She's dead. There's no way. Yeah. It's, it's obvious retconning. And I hate yes. that they're doing that. Like yes. all it would have taken is like 15 seconds out of two episodes in the previous season. Yes. And we're good. Yes. And and they it's obvious that they just didn't think of that, that, that right. now they're trying to fill in the gaps and hope that people will forgive them for it. And right. But it, to it's me, hard to. It, to me, it's like you drop the ball, you just need to move on. You know? Do, do you think it's better that they address it now? No. Than if they had never mentioned it at all? No, I think it's... I think it's uh, when you fuck up that bad, uh, as, you either have to come up with something that is going to redeem it. Like, maybe they could have come up with something that would have made this all made sense in retrospect. I don't know... But unless you have something surefire like that, I think the best thing to do is just move on. Mm-hmm. Just pretend like it didn't happen and give us something. Because what you're doing is uh, you are burning screen time on something that we could care about, on something we don't care about, and we've all collectively decided is horseshit and, and we've moved on. But you're still taking these minutes, mm-hmm. making us watch this, and we're getting madder and madder at being sold this bill of goods when you could be doing something else. So this needs to be it. This needs to be the last time they ever mention Beth. I don't know. In the I'm, context I'm kind of Maggie of being sad. hopeful because this episode does feel like maybe this is the rainbow at yeah, the end of the storm. Does. And maybe that Maggie, Sa- Sasha, and and uh, Daryl could all move on. You know, you, I, so they Daryl, <laughs> they, they, they set up like appropriately. Uh-huh. But weirdly, Completely. most of the grief has been dealing with Maggie, like she had the big yeah. showy. I mean, I guess he, you know, he he's not that her kind out, of guy, and he carried her out. So maybe that was a thing. But like, sure. I could deal. I could, I could see Daryl dealing with this and all that, and because they've set up that groundwork and that relationship they had. Yeah, you know, and we're guilty of the same thing. We're belaboring this point. 
All right. It's bullshit. Fair enough. I'm not addressing it anymore. I don't care. I don't (laughs) care. I've said my piece on Beth and Maggie. Do you think that this show is... So I feel at the very end of this, with Aaron showing up and with this big miracle that happens uh, to Mm -hmm. save them from the walkers outside the barn, that the show is setting me up for another punch in the gut. Because they've done it before. They've done it many times. They've done it with the prison. They've done it with the farm. They've done sure. it with Terminus. They've done it over and over. It seems to be the MO of the show. It's Charlie Brown and the football. We think this place is safe. We think we're going to get to stay here. And then they get kicked in the dick over and over and over again. And I feel like that's what they're doing again with Aaron. Like, I don't know what he's promising. I don't know anything about this guy. But that rainbow at the end of this episode feels v- very much like a false flag. Sure. And I think you're completely right to feel that way. And... Um, you know, I don't know what else to say about it because I think that's exactly how we should feel, hmm. okay. you know, that, that the what show has taught us to feel that, that, that strange, the, the stranger danger is a real thing and you can only trust those. Like there's a procedure like Rick needs the, uh, you know, in the prison, they'd isolate the people and they'd ask him the, the three holy questions and then they would either be trusted or not they'd have to earn that thing mm-hmm. so we're gonna you know and if anything they they're with this this declaration of them being the walking dead i think they're even more hardened to that strategy okay so it'll be interesting to see how they evolve the show from here where yeah. they'll ever make a change that you know when can you start to rebuild society when can you start to trust people again how do you trust people yeah no I, that, those are interesting themes certainly uh, okay, Daryl finds a half-eaten deer and a dead walker by a tree. He Did you use a walker? Because I noticed his guy's face eaten off. And Well, yeah, maybe he never turned into a walker. When I saw the half-eaten deer and the face eaten off, I immediately started thinking, oh, wolves. Like, yeah. this is this is something yeah. that the pack of dogs would do. And I started getting excited. Like, oh, we're going to get, we're going to get something besides walkers chasing them and hunting them now. And then we kind of do. Kind of. But for like uh, a second and a half, Daryl rejoins the group. He's followed by a couple of dogs or a pack of dogs, and Sasha just kills him. And and now they have some food. Uh, Daryl should stop carrying bacon around in his pocket. (laughs) Number one, all that squirrel jerky. (laughs) They're they're after that. He's been holding out. Yeah. Uh, Do do you think that this this was you know we we saw it scrawled on the the bricks in the previous episode? Wolves not far. Do you think these were the wolves they're talking about, or do you think the wolves might be a pack of humans? I I feel like it's probably more the pack of humans. Um, okay, but uh, especially now that I've seen the wolves, that these things are just quote unquote. Wolves. These wolves are almost like manna from heaven. This was almost a divine, yeah. miraculous thing that mm-hmm. they were starving, and the Lord provided unto them the canine yeah. banquet that they feasted on. Mm-hmm. They were thirsting, and the Lord opened up the heavens so that they could drink. I mean, this yeah. is very Moses and Aaron striking their staff on a rock and drawing forth water out of it. And yep. that's kind of cool, honestly. Uh-huh. Um, the Walking Dead with like a, 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 a you know, capital G God uh, taking mm-hmm. an active part of it for some mysterious reason is kind of a, almost a weird lost X-Files curve that I could groove on. <laughs> All right, and they've, they've kind of hinted at it before. I, I don't mind at all, especially if mm-hmm. it's con, in conjunction with Gabriel. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, yeah. I don't know. I'm open to this. Um, I, I think that this is a little ham-fisted in the way they're doing it. Uh, at least 
it, it'd be kind of like you know if, if it wasn't for the tornado the zombie tornado at the end mm-hmm. this is the kind of thing where you could talk about you know like oh this was god providing this is something like straight out of the israelites wandering in the desert yeah it's 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 a motif that's not hit too squarely on the head when they add the tornado at the end, it's a little much for me. You know, it wasn't too much for me. It was just the way it was shot and edited. Yes, that made it feel very strange. It, it well, yeah, yeah. It didn't. It didn't make me feel like I was confident that this was a miracle. It made me feel like I was uh, surprised that it was not a dream. Plus, once again, it it features some unexplicable inexplicable behavior on the part of our survivors yeah to work yeah like you know it's like just think a little bit harder on these set pieces man think Mm -hmm. again it's just like you know how did noah get under the underneath the patio furniture menaced by two walkers what sequence (laughs) of events happened what sequence of events we're not at the scene yet but fuck it what sequence of events leads our survivors to come to be menaced by these walkers in the middle of the night mm-hmm. and have this life and death struggle and the howling wind, the pouring rain. And then we cut to daylight where they're all asleep and they walk out the barn and they're just gobsmacked by what they <laughs> look at the walkers dead by the storm. How, how do you get from that point A to point B? It's, it's an un, it's an uncanny series of events. And if it were me and suddenly the walkers are not pushing on the door. Yeah. I would go, what just happened the out there? I want to take down a peek out, out. I got to take a peek out to see what's going on so I can yeah. know I can sleep again without yeah. having these flesh-rending zombies on my ass. But there's no way to get from that point A to point B that doesn't explain, I guess, a ton, like a bunch of LSD in the water would explain <laughs> that kind of behavior. Um Yes, you God know, made LSD rain. Yeah. <laughs> At literal acid rain. <laughs> the bar got struck by lightning and everyone just got zapped and uh, knocked unconscious for a couple hours. But the, the other option, and I'm going to play the internet advocate here, is that Daryl stayed up on guard. Because Daryl is awake in the morning and says, I should get some sleep. So so the, the winds howl. Uh-huh. And everybody's like, and 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 the barn door stops shuttering, uh-huh. and Daryl announces to everyone, "It's cool, go to sleep. I'm gonna stay on watch." And uh-huh. everyone goes to sleep. He is a badass. He is a badass. I'm like, I would trust my life to Daryl, certainly. But you're right. The events that happened outside are so crazy that I would want to peek. You'd have to. I would have to. I couldn't You'd sleep without knowing what the hell went on out there. Yeah, something makes these zombies go away. Yeah, and. It, you don't go out and investigate or it's shocking if yeah. daryl went out and investigate or maybe two and three it's like hey this damnedest thing trees fell over and killed all these zombies. i would go i want to see that yeah or, or you don't come out and be express amazement at hey you know what it's just like daryl told us last night anyway. yeah it's it's something with the editing and the way it yes. just is disjointed and doesn't fit together that and, makes me not like it and they had the thing where, like, is this a dream? Oh, it can't be a dream. There's no way it's a dream. And then you're like, they wake up the next morning. It was it a dream. Just as you're getting on board, it's a dream. They go outside and it actually happened. And then you start thinking, okay, I'm trying to reconcile these two narratives and it just doesn't work. It does not go together. It's a square peg yeah. and a round hole. And uh, they are, you know, between uh, Julius Ramsey and Heather Belson, they're just banging that peg as hard as they can. <laughs> sure. And we're the ones losing out. Yep. Uh, you know who else is losing out? Losing out on his faith in God. It's Gabriel. Gabriel eats the dog meat and says, fuck it. I'm out. This religion thing is not for me. 
Cannibalism didn't do it. Uh-uh. Watching multiple people get butchered in his own church didn't do it. His uh-huh. own f- fiduciary irresponsibility towards his flock doesn't do it. Uh-huh. Eating dog meat—it's <laughs> over. It's over. If the—that's a bridge too far. You can't eat fucking dog food, and you sure as shit can't eat dog meat without losing uh-huh. your faith in God. You just snatch that collar off and burn it. Yeah, you burn it. Yep. You forsake. You curse God and die if you have to eat dog meat. Pretty much. Uh, Glenn and Maggie are talking about why she never cared about Beth. Uh, Maggie gives some half-assed excuse about, you know, hoping she's alive or or thinking maybe she was alive out there and then cries about her death again. She also doesn't know if she's able to continue living in this world. And I'm like, fine, die. Take Glenn with you. <laughs> uh, I will say that they are really hamming up the Walking Dead aspect. Like, if you look yeah. at how Sasha's walking, she's got the wobbly head. And they got the, you know, kind of like staggering gait. One it's, shoulder in front of them. And, and they're yeah. walking in front of this, you know, before the serious walkers. It's it's actually kind of cool. Yeah. No, I'm fine with that. Yeah. Thought it was awesome. That's part of the thing to epi- that, 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 that actually works. Uh, Abraham then comes up and offers Sasha some booze. And she says, you know, it'll make things worse. And he says, you will make things worse if you continue your behavior. She says, we're not friends. <laughs> like, this whole exchange is just brutal. And, and Abraham's just, he's like, all right. All right, taking a drink. Uh, you know, maybe he's got a deal. He's like, that's good to know. It's the Walking Dead drinking game. Anything illogical happens on the show, <laughs> you take a drink. And he's just playing along. <laughs> yeah, no, I like Abraham's reaction here. You know, what are you going to say to that? What has she got against Abraham? I don't know. Plus, Abraham's like, you know this cut that I've got in the shoulder that you're looking at right now that's uh, probably infested with zombie guts, <laughs> and I could turn? Fuck you if we're not friends. I'm coming after you first. Yeah, if we're not friends, then I'll just punch you in the face right now. Yeah. Um, Daryl finds a barn. He sits down for a smoke outside, and he puts a, a cigarette out on his hand, and then he cries. Yeah. Not, not, not about the cigarette stuff, but about some emotional Daryl shit. That's I don't think that's how I mean I don't know I'm not I'm not a self harmer but I felt like that that's you, you do the self harming to keep from the, you do the physical pain to distract from emotional pain right you're doing it wrong if you have yourself a nice long cry after you burn yourself a cigarette but again I don't know what I'm talking about it's, it's true probably and, borderline offensive what I'm saying and maybe he was trying it he was trying it it didn't mm. work and so he broke down crying mm. Mm. it just wasn't enough to to ease the emotional pain that he was feeling or to, to gloss over it there you go. I uh, also, I I noticed that his pants are tied off. Oh yeah, like I don't know, uh, I don't know what that's what purpose that serves from woodcraft. Is that to keep like bugs from crawling up his legs? Is that to mm. keep uh, poison ivy out? Is that uh, if Stop if so, why bites. is no one else doing it? Yeah, I don't know. Um, you know, it's like this is the kind of thing. Maybe he's like every night. I'm telling you guys, you need to tie your pant legs to your boots. <laughs> you won't get the Eugene. You're wearing shorts for Christ's legs. sake. Find some fucking jeans. Your boots, bullshit. <laughs> Stop by this Walmart. I, they got Husky Boy sizes. <laughs> Millions of jeans in That's this country, the and thing, there's man. only a thousand asses to put them in. You can get some fucking jeans, Eugene. <laughs> your name's got Gene in it. Wear some goddamn denim. <laughs> Fuck. That's what he says. <laughs> Every night. 
every it's really, night. It's getting this a is bit a tired, much. As Eugene just rocks and sucks his thumb as he's just <laughs> Daryl's in his face screaming. Uh-huh. The first few nights, he was like, he tried to explain it. He was like, well, uh, for combat, I really don't think the jeans are the appropriate attire. And That's right. I need, I, like, need, no. I need, I need crotch room and freedom of movement to to pull off my first person shooter moves. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh Christ! Now two years in, he's he's done with it. <laughs> uh, anyway, Daryl comes back to the road. He's found the group, and they found water. And Eugene tries to friend. drink it, but uh, Abraham slaps it out of his hand. So it's cool. Number one, I don't know. I I kind of thought it was. I kind of excited. It's like let you, you let Eugene oh, yeah. drink the water. Eugene yeah. is is now useless. Not anymore. He can he can be the uh, water taster for everybody. But Abraham smacks that out of his water, which is somehow like Abraham has definitively gotten over being upset with him. He's back in his protector role. I guess so. Yeah. Like you're still you're you're a you're a miserable fucker, but you're our miserable fucker, and mm-hmm. you know this is. We're all friends, signed, kind of, sort of. I Just don't. wait until Eugene says, you're not my friend, and then it's all over. I like Eugene go for it and say, just mumble something about quality assurance. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like he's full. It's like, I don't care. It could be poison. Let me let me taste it for you. Yeah. Uh, and then it starts raining, and everybody in the group rejoices, except for Sasha, Maggie, and Daryl, yep. who are still dealing with stuff. Uh, the storm moves in, and the group moves into the barn, where uh, Daryl... That Daryl found, which must be said, you were incredulous of. Uh, yeah, during the I... the open, you're like, "Why do you it's... need shelter during a storm?" And I'm just sitting there, like, I can't believe my partner is saying this. Shelter during a storm, like hypothermia. The only thing I could see is those trees, the falling trees, falling trees, hypothermia, high winds, lightning. Yes, hypothermia. How cold do you, you think can... it is? Daryl's rolling Dude, around in a can... sleeveless shirt. You do you realize that you are running ninety eight point six right now in room temperature with a cold rain? You can die within a matter of hours exposed to the elements. I didn't realize that. That sounds <laughs> fictional to me. God, you're going to be the Eugene I'm not in our group. To an you're going to be Eugene in our group. You're going to be wearing shorts. You're going to be yeah. standing out in the rain, with no sense to get out of it. Yeah, if we go full hobo mode, I'm going to be dead in a week. <laughs> I'm dead in a week. Well, I'll, I got the Denon speech down to give you <laughs> if right. it comes to that. Yeah, says the guy in a sleeveless shirt. Uh, Maggie kills uh, Walker that they find in the barn, and uh, Carol notes that she had a gun, could have killed herself, but didn't because she couldn't give up, just like them. Sure. thought that was a, a fairly good line. The chicken Carol. chicken lip zombie. Yeah, yeah. Looking, looking in bad shape there. Uh, Abraham is really babysitting that uh, pint of whiskey. You're right. You're right. They they start a fire and he's just back there sipping it. He's been pulling on it all day long. He's like making it last. Yep. Uh, probably smart. Who knows the next time they're going to come up on a bottle of anything? Sure. Uh, Rick delivers a speech about his father and how. There, there also, there's a stack of Bibles in this barn. Which, mm-hmm. yeah, I, the more I think about it, the more they're making some obvious uh, religious allusions here. Oh, yeah. And yeah. I don't, you know, again, I, I'm not sure what. I'm not sure what we're supposed to take away from this, what this is supposed to mean to um, Gabriel, what it mean, what it means to people like Maggie and the larger group. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the Moses one is pretty good for Rick. But he there's also a little bit of the flood. The... There's also a little bit of Noah and surviving the flood and coming out in the rainbow and the covenant that God made. Seems, Yeah, it seems like there's maybe also a little bit of uh, Job in there with Gabriel being tested mm-hmm. over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh and that's a theme we've seen before for Gabriel. Sure. Uh, so I, 
yeah, it seems like there's an amalgamation of Bible themes here that they're just they rewrote the job story that job there was a windstorm that job hid in his house and he locked his family out and they all died in the windstorm (laughs) sure and then he got himself cut with a walker infected blade and got a disease and you know it's basically all brought in by himself instead of afflicted Mm -hmm. by god but whatever you know uh so rick delivers a speech about his father and how you basically have to do what you need to do and then you get to live which i thought seemed right on uh-huh. For this world. Uh, Rick Rick has really come around for me as being one of the most uh, with his shit together characters. You know, he's gone the full gamut. He's been crazy for a while. And now he realizes what it takes to survive in this world. And he's doing all the right things. Yeah. No, he's and been, I like his journey. He's been every kind of man you can be. He's been the yeah. police officer. He's been the madman. He's been the farmer. He's, he's been the Nazi father's son. <laughs> yes, his grandfather, who we've we've conclusively established was a uh, a Nazi hiding out in Argentina. Uh-huh. Uh, all that all that rich backstory has finally paid off. And you're right. He's he's integrated the best parts of Shane Herschel uh, and Rick Bob. I Bob, mean... yeah, like he is sent. Like I, I feel I like this arc, and they're doing this part well, where Rick is being shaped by events and circumstances into being the leader humanity needs. Yeah, he's being shaped to be. He's like the, um, you know, John Connor of the zombie apocalypse. Uh huh. He's the 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 leader humanity needs, and that's been something that they've done really, really well over the seasons. I agree, uh, but nobody agrees with Rick here, least of all Daryl. Uh, Daryl's like, We're, we ain't them. <laughs> and then the walkers try to bust down the doors as they're all just <laughs> sitting around. Uh, they one by one, the group moves to stop that. That's so stupid. Uh, l- literally fighting to stay alive here. So, you know, making making callbacks to the episode. Like, it's, I guess, excusable because Daryl's at the door and it happens to him before he has a, a moment to yeah. reflect. But Sasha can't, like... Everybody, we're being run over by walkers on our way to run into the door. Everyone has to slowly realize what's happening. Uh-huh. Maggie, then Sasha, then Rick. Yeah. Right. Sure. Goddamn Judith just laying in the dirt screaming. She can't help. Come on. <laughs> Use her as a doorstop. Just Wedge her in her. there. Yep. Wedge her in there. Maggie wakes up the next morning, finds Daryl wide awake, and he tells her that Beth was strong. He hands her the music box, which, box, which he has fixed. Uh, I... I got to say, when they walk out here and they see all these walkers impaled by trees, Zombie Kill of the Week goes to God. <laughs> like, it has to, right? The Jehovah of Armies. It has to. He he got the bow out and, and flexed his <laughs> might once again. Yeah, good stuff. Uh, and then they all sit down to talk uh, with some, some renewed faith. Uh, Maggie tells Sasha that they're, they're going to make it. So I, I kind of skipped through a lot of he- stuff here. Maggie like sits down with Daryl for a second and talks with him. Mm-hmm. Um, just, you know, about Tyrese Beth. being tough, which he wasn't. Like she's trying to comfort him about Beth, but it ends up like he's comforting her. Like Beth, like what he's, that's what was ironic is I don't think Dar- Tyrese is tough in the way that if you look it up in a dictionary and it says like he wasn't, he wasn't resilient. He, he did have a sure. core decent sense of humanity, but he wasn't tough in the way I think of it. Beth was, but Daryl didn't get to see all that. Like she did emerge a tough customer from the slab town thing. And she, yeah. you know, that, that was a really good evolution of her character. And then she died. He didn't get to see that. 
I think he was right about her. He was wrong about Tyrese. I, I, I just, I'm, I'm struggling with the point, but I thought it was interesting the juxtaposition of them kind of paying. It felt like paying lip service to Tyrese, yeah, um, and kind of whitewashing that whole thing. Um, poor choice of you uh, words there for Chad, uh, <laughs> uh, but they, yeah, they almost like with Beth, like she genuinely loves tough. I liked where she I was agree, going. I agree with that. Yeah, at the end, she understood what it would take to... Uh, she She was tough in a way that got her killed, certainly. Um, and she, Tyrese she, was weak in a way that got him killed. Yes, yes. Uh, he was not flexible enough for this world. Uh, Beth made the choice to go out. Yeah. Beth knew what was going to happen to her and said, it's better for me to go out here and take these this horrible person with me. You know what? Then that's the thing. Like Rick has made that decision multiple times. And just by the roll of the dice, he survived. Like when yeah, he yeah. pulled the gun on Nebraska, uh-huh. uh, you know, many times has he he's made the decision that no fuck you, this this is our stand. He yeah. just was able to survive. Yeah, Beth, the first time she tried to pull that, unfortunately, she uh, rolled an, a one and <laughs> completely failed. Yeah, definitely. Uh, then while Maggie and Sasha are talking. Uh, Aaron walks up and introduces himself as a friend. He wants to talk to Rick. Somehow he knows Rick's name, which is very curious. Very curious. And on cue, the music box starts up. Mm -hmm. I liked uh, Maggie and Sasha's reaction. Like, (laughs) Maggie's like, how? And Sasha's like, why? And it was kind of, like, grimly humorous. Uh Uh-huh. I thought that was pretty funny. And uh, the sky was beautiful. Yeah. Again, it was very much, you know, the ark settling on Mount Sinai, and you got the dove coming with the mm-hmm. with the branch and the rainbow. I mean, didn't have a real... If they had a rainbow, yeah, that would yeah. have been officially too <laughs> fucking much. Sure, sure. And when they're shooting kind of up at the sky past the music box, and the music uh-huh. box starts up, it's like, okay, well, this is another sign, right? This is yes. us, us with the sign of the music box starting, looking up towards the heavens after this miraculous event just happened. I think that's a pretty good indication that they're trying to say the world is helping them out, God is helping them out, whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, I just feel like it's a false flag. I, I think they're setting us up for more disappointment later down the road. And this whole group. Yeah, a lot of people, because we're talking about the coincidence of, and we, we haven't talked about this yet. On the instant cast, we talked about the coincidence of the, the tornado taking out the the zombies. And a lot of people thought that, you know, we didn't think that that was possible for a tornado to do that. You and I live for most of our lives in tornado alley. Sure. Uh, Matt S wrote in, um, and he said, I don't know if you've ever witnessed a tornado. Um, I've seen them in person. He goes, I lived through one that hit the Montgomery blue ash area, which is where we're living, living now, uh, just North of Cincinnati, 1999. Uh, It was a brutal F four and it fucked shit up, but Mm -hmm. I was lucky. It spared our house almost completely, but our neighbors weren't so lucky just across the street. The houses were torn apart. One of my neighbors had a really cool house with a sunken living room and a giant branch from a beech tree was poking through the ceiling like fingers reaching in, but it didn't huh. collapse the house. Others got almost completely demolished, but would have left one closet standing with clothes still on the hanger. <laughs> All this is to say it might be yeah. possible for the barn to stand. Weird shit happens with tornadoes. Oh, yeah. Uh, the zombie aftermath, aftermath is cool, but the episode still sucked. Uh, yeah, I mean. Tornadoes will reach down out of the sky, pluck a house out. And yeah. just be done with that neighborhood. When like, I was five, no other damage. A, a tornado came within a mile of my house, and I, huh. I, all my only memory is being in my cousin's basement and thinking it was cool that I was like up at midnight, you know. <laughs> and it was scary, but it was also kind of cool. And yeah. you know, as a like a five year old, 
it's just adrenaline and kind of in this new novel novel experience. Sure. But two tornadoes hit the Mooresville area. Um, and this I know this tornado in 99 because my in-laws lived uh, this part of Ohio. And I remember driving through huh. and looking at all the damage. So, yeah, it's if you're not familiar. And also, I looked up. I was a little skeptical that, like, Virginia gets hit by a lot of tornadoes. Apparently, they do. There's oh, okay. there's quite a few notable tornadoes that hit the area. And they do weird shit like that. This is an intensely localized phenomenon. Yeah. Um, that can, you know, one side of street versus the other, one side of riverbank or another can be the difference between you being devastated or not. I didn't have a problem with that aspect of tornado. It's just when you add all the circumstances together, it's just like, you know, some notable events in Breaking Bad or some notable events in Fargo. The coincidences, once they start piling up, starts to be too much for me see i don't honestly this is this is not the biggest part of the problem with the episode so no it's not and i don't even have any problem with this part of the episode but because it's very clear that what they're saying is god intervened here i think so i i don't think there's any other way to read this i think the the show is saying this was a miraculous event okay i mean between gabriel celebrating and maggie changing her tune at the end of this i think it's the only way to read it. Okay. And so the, the problems I, I have with coincidence are the ones where that's not the case. Okay. So this was fine. No All problem. Right. Um, that's it. That's the end of the episode. It sure is. We made it. All right. We have a sponsor this week, and that is Audible. Audible has, you know, they're the audiobook company. They're the Amazon audiobook company. 150,000. Too many. Audiobooks. Al- almost over. too many. Uh, they, more they, than you can listen to in a human lifetime. Yes, but and, that's a challenge, and and more than you can read too. They they do the whisper sync thing, so like you can read it and listen to it. Sure, if you're an Amazon customer as well. Which which that's the kind of the highlight of my 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 thing is I'm a busy dude and I want to recommend a title. Uh, it's something I just started last week. It's the Final Empire, which is the first edition or first book of the Mistborn trilogy. Oh uh, yeah, it might be a quadrilogy because I think you wrote a fourth book that's like a post cool but i'm not that far Something into the like series that. it's written yeah. by Br- brandon sanderson uh, mm-hmm. narrated by michael kramer um what's what draws me because I'm, I'm a fan of high fantasy i know you're not but uh-huh. what i particularly like about series uh are ones that have a rational or workable system of magic uh growing up i was a huge fan of saber hagen's book of sword series and weiss and hickman's Deathgate cycle uh, and I just started this series this week so i'm not too far in but this has got the reputation of having one of the most elegant magical systems in fantasy you know like books like game of thrones as good as they are you start asking questions like why have they been stuck on using steel swords and arrows for literally thousands of years and if the valerians had dragons why didn't take over the whole goddamn world by now uh it seems like sanderson Hmm. who's uh, the author wants to take these kinds of questions head on and take a more holistic approach to world building and like yeah yeah give you in-universe answers for those questions of technological stasis and and why magic works the way it does. And here's where Audible comes in, because I love to read, but I'm very busy. And I have a Kindle and the Kindle app on my phone. I take advantage just to read wherever and whenever I can. But Audible takes it to the next level because they integrate with the WhisperSync platform. What this means is wherever you leave off reading, Audible can take over right there seamlessly, regardless of what device you're reading from or what device you're listening on. So... I read an hour before I go to bed. Next morning, I wake up, and Audible can read it to me while I'm in the shower or getting ready or driving in my car. Mm-hmm. When I'm back ready to read, I'm ready to go. It's just this this uh, self-perpetuating cycle. It's yeah. the fastest, most entertaining way to mainline literature that I'm aware of. 
Yeah, no, yeah, that's a really good point. Uh, I'm actually kind of familiar with this series through a you weird roundabout way. In the fantasy? Yeah, like I, I'm notoriously not into fantasy, but I have heard of Brandon Sanderson and I've heard of Mistborn because I listened to his his podcast called Writing Excuses, ah. like years ago when he was just starting out with the first book, uh, and he had like a lot of really good insights into the writing process and like what it means to build a world and and I took all that away and I kind of said, okay, if I'm ever going to get into fantasy like Game of Thrones, yeah, and Mistborn are probably going to be the ones that are going to do it because they do have that kind of natural approach to yeah, Game of Thrones is grounded in, in reality more in a political angle. Mistborn yes. tries to do it technologically and magically, uh-huh. I think. And and I I really appreciate that. I think, you know, if if you were to go check out these books, maybe even if you're not a fan of the fantasy genre, that you would be more than happy with them. Yeah, it's like everything you know, I've heard him say just it was really impressed me on the like podcast. Popular mechanics meets Lord of the Rings. <laughs> okay, yeah. You know, uh-huh. and, I, and and that really appeals to me. So, yeah, um, and you can get all of his books, all the whole trilogy, yep. the whole quadrilogy. Yep. Uh at audiblepodcast.com/baldmove. You can get the first one for free. You can try it out. Uh if you don't like it, there's no obligation. You can cancel anytime, but you can check it out there audiblepodcast.com slash bald move try one on us let's get to some feedback yeah yeah um shelby s from australia we talked a lot about how they use the walking dead to fill in backstory and how that's kind of bullshit to use as a crutch she Mm -hmm. chimes in something i didn't even think about it i totally agree with you guys that it's bullshit that the show relies on the talking dead to fill in gaps like this week's how much time has passed how long they've been on the road stuff I live in Australia. We don't even get Walking Dead. So fuck knows how many people outside the U.S. are supposed to get that information. Ta- they should talking Dead? Yeah, they don't get the Talking Dead. Okay. The right. show. You said Walking Dead. It confused me. I'm like, sorry. what are you watching? They don't get the Talking Dead You here. just get Talking Dead? Because that's <laughs> weird. Uh, they should definitely explain that shit in the episode if it's important enough. I agree. Yeah. That's been my... Because I don't watch the, the Talking Dead, mostly because I'm doing other things when it's on and I don't care enough like if something momentous happens it's always on youtube or someone mentions in the feedback so it's not part of my viewing experience yeah we're doing instant casts at the time yeah um but i just think it's enough already it's enough already i'm with you i think a a tv show should be a standalone experience and when i hear like so chad coleman did what if the second screen experience was the only way to get certain plot points that would be fucked, right? I think so. What if I don't have an iPad? What if I don't have access to that? Like, I can't participate in the show proper? I mean, there's... Part of me wants to say that there is some innovative things they could be doing, second screen experiences. Certainly. That once... Like, if you could guarantee 100% of the audience had access to that, you could do some really cool storytelling, interactive storytelling features. But to use it to just fill in information that's either... You know, it, it's kind of like... You know, artists when they talk about the lyrics and what they really mean uh, versus I, I mean, I prefer when artists say the lyrics are, I wrote the lyrics, what they mean to use, what they mean. I hate it when someone comes in and says, well, definitively it's this. Okay. You know, yeah. it's like if you left something ambiguous and open interpretation, I think it's much cooler to leave it that way. When you then say, Oh no, no. What I really meant to say is this, it somehow cheapens it. Or it's like, well, then you did a bad job of saying that because it was open to interpretation. Yeah. And that's kind of how I feel about the way they're using The Walking Dead. I read an interview with uh, Chad Coleman on Reddit. He did an AMA. 
And just like his Grove panel that he did on Atlanta's Walker Stalker Con this year, he had some really penetrating insights into Tyrese and his relationship with other characters. And I kept thinking, damn, it would have been nice if your character was allowed to articulate some of those things going on inside your head. Like, if they're if 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 these characters are contributing this backstory, then why don't we get to see any of it? And it's a bummer. Yeah. No, I'm with you. So you'd almost rather them just not say anything in the Talking Dead about it. Yeah, like if if it's important Leave for it us more to know. Open. For example, we found out it's been three weeks, a couple episodes. So mm-hmm. why did they need to say it last week? You know, someone says, how much time has passed? Like, well, you know, we'll have to find out. Or, but if they say it, like, what the fuck? Yeah. Which, by the way, I've in the spoiler section, Robert Kirkman was just a giant dick to people regarding spoilers on Chris Hardwick's At Midnight Show, and I'm really <laughs> angry about it, and I want to talk about it. All right, we'll talk about that. Sometimes I feel like this show trolls us as fans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think there is a zero amount of trolling from, coming from Robert Kirkman yeah. and potentially a lot of the other people making this show. And I sympathize with that because we do like to do, like, you know, we, we do things occasionally. But our shit doesn't hinge on a plot. No, it's like, <laughs> like, it's like side details where if you pick it up, it's great. If not, then you don't miss anything yeah um i don't know and that's what the the second screen experience or an after show an after talk show should be Mm. is the the stuff that you don't need to get the episode Mm -hmm. that's that's kind of extra for the big fans uh we got a couple other feedbacks on the last episode shane excuse me shay oq said can we discuss how the fuck we're supposed to believe that noah can pull a fast one on one of the two biggest badasses of the group, Carol and Daryl, in one episode, and yet manage to get pinned down by random porch walkers and uh, another one. This is a guy who stole Carol and Daryl's weapons from him and made off in, in a crowded urban downtown area that's presumably swarming with zombies, and he can't negotiate two zombies in a residential neighborhood. Sure. Bullshit. <laughs> Next email. <laughs> Scott V, listening to your last podcast, you had a response from a listener who believes that Walking Dead has no story engine. On first hearing this theory, I liked it. That seems to be the case. But then I thought about it, and I had to change my mind. I believe the Walking Dead has a very good story engine. Engine. They just actively run away from it. I would call it, how do you rebuild society? He is preaching to the choir on this one. Let's start with the first camp. Uh, he gives episodes or examples from all the seasons. I can't read them all. I'm going to take the two strongest examples. Let's start with this first camp Shane set up in season one. Remember that we found that Carol's husband, who I can't remember their, his name. It's Ed. Yeah, I beat you to death, You remember Ed. with the mnemonic device, I beat you to death, Ed. <laughs> That's not... Uh, okay, yeah. No. Yep. If you say, if you say, uh, if you get in a Shane voice and say, uh-huh. I'll beat you to death, Ed just fro- flows naturally. You're right, it does. Uh, he uh, beat her and was set up as a possible child molester. Then Shane beat the ever-living shit out of him. Mm -hmm. See, you were halfway there to the mnemonic device, Scott. (laughs) Come on. I remember thinking this is going to be something cool to explore. Here's this little group of people. Walkers are everywhere. What do you do with a wife beater? Do you banish him? He'd take Carol and Sophia with him. You wear the shit out of it. (laughs) Uh, You can't lock him up. What if he has some skill you really need? I was excited by the possibilities. Then Walker's overrun the camp and he gets eaten. Mm -hmm. Damn it. Rick steps down. He's going on to season four. Rick has stepped down as the Ricktator, and the group decides the council is the way to lead. Rick becomes a farmer. A flu starts killing people. Two sick people are murdered. Rick figures out who did it. Now we're cooking. We have Carol trying to do good for the group by committing a quote-unquote bad act. 
We have Tyrese enraged that his lover is one of the sick people killed. We have many questions of punishment since he seems ready to execute whoever did this. We have Rick figured out and does an end run around the council and orders Carol, who's an asset to group, to leave. I think Rick coming back after banishing Carol was the most excited I've ever been towards this show. I was salivating to see the confrontation between Rick and Daryl when Rick tells him that he decided to do this on his own. And what do we get? 15 fucking episodes about the goddamn governor. Damn it. Then when Rick finally tells Daryl the fucking governor shows up at the tank. Damn it again. (laughs) This show could ask questions through adversaries or groups' faces. Terminus seemed like it could use more exploration. These people were treated horrifically and become something horrific in return. But they would let people join them under certain circumstances. So let's see this process. They didn't explore any of that society, messed up as it was. I can't believe we lost no one to that place. We should have been there long enough to eat the food and be disgusted by it. Terminus should have cost us at least two lives, in my opinion. Instead, it just became these guys who are hunting us. Uh, It's kill or be killed yet again. I guess my point is, I don't think the show lacks or knows how to examine these issues. And when it tries, it's a mess. I do believe as a story engine, it's just their driving skills are equal to Lori Grimes. I like this take a lot. Yeah, that's fairly compelling. You're right. The The interesting thing is about what society looks like, uh, what civilization, not not like Joe and his pack of outlaws. They're clearly uncivilized. But mm-hmm. what does a society look like in this world? And he's right. This show has been running from it for five seasons and counting. But it, it doesn't feel like they're necessarily running from it. To me, it feels like they're just executing it at a very poor level. Like, they're asking a lot of these questions. They're seeing how these experiences are changing the people within the group and how, you know, the world kind of from that angle is changing these people. Hmm. But they're not trying to reestablish anything yet. I wonder if it's just a case of they want this thing to go on for 12 seasons Mm -hmm. and they don't want to run out of those questions. They don't want to run out of those potential answers. Mm -hmm. And that's causing them to just kind of repeat the same themes over and over again. Yeah. I I feel like they have in their head just this massive like Simpsons long series mm. where Rick has a ninety year old beard and a fifty year old <laughs> face, uh, and and they just can't get that out of their head and so they're stalling. Huh. I don't know. I think he they're right. They didn't have to deal with the full blown society, but some of these questions that have come up were would be interesting to explore. And yeah, especially that terminus one with with cannibalism. Yeah. How and, does that look? How do you? How do you become like that? How does it look like to be inside that group? We got to. And li- does it change you if you're already a part of it unknowingly? Does yeah, like, you know, kind of. What's the uh, honestly? Like the, Craven is is that yeah? What's that movie where Guy Pierce is up in the snow? Oh, ravenous, ravenous. Yeah, yeah. That that's a cool examination sure. of that too. I like that a lot. And Anthony Hopkins is in that, and uh-huh. it's. It's very cool, and I feel like they had a chance to do a very ravenous esque. It's sort like of thing. it's like uh, the the vampire slash werewolf take on the Walking Dead Terminus plotline. But yeah, oh okay, yeah. Um, but no, I mean, I think there's ways they could have addressed some of these things and real serious moral quandaries. But it's so black and white. Yeah, like I th- I think yeah. the thing with Ed was a good point. Like, what do you do when you have a a, a psychopathic asshole, but he's an indispensable member of the group? With Shane, they they kind of Shane became that guy. He did, yeah. And you had to kill him and move on. Mm-hmm. But like, it was never much shades of gray. It was always him being just like good guy Shane or bad guy Shane. There was never kind of like a fully integrated. 
Anyway, that's seasons long gone. I like this. I like this email anyway. Yeah, no, I, I like the email a lot, and it, it gives you a lot to consider. Uh, Mark S. said, hey, boys, I'm at a toy fair in New York City. I'm in the industry, the toy industry, I believe, and I see lots of Walking Dead merchandise around, but I thought you guys might enjoy seeing this. Oh, and he God. sent us a picture of a kiosk mm-hmm. of the Walking Dead pet collection. If you want your dog to have a vest with tracker wings on it, mm-hmm. you can buy that. If you want your dog to have a messenger bag with Rick's badge on it, you, you can, can buy get, that. If you want your dog to have a zombie with detachable Velcro legs and arms that he can rip apart, <laughs> that is something you can buy according to this image. Yeah, the pet line is very serious. It's got the governor, mm-hmm. the governor that your pet can tear into and tear the squeaker out of. Um, I, I, to me, I condone that. To me, I like the uh, I, I like the tracker, the, the wing, the yeah. winged vest. Yeah. That would be cute on like a dash hound or something. If you're going to put a shirt on your dog, <laughs> and I don't endorse that. <laughs> and then eat them. But if you're going to, this it could get worse Yeah, than this. You could do worse. And then you need the big floppy Daryl hair wig to put on them. <laughs> uh-huh. And a necklace of squirrels. <laughs> Squirrel ears. Uh-huh. Uh- <laughs> Squirrel ears. <laughs> I honestly do I don't even Darryl know if they have went ears. crazy and started putting ears of walkers around I do, his neck? man. That was season two. Yes. That just, was just watched it. season two is bad news. Uh Nick G, our uh, soldier on the inside from Fort Riley, Kansas. Uh if you recall uh, from the preview cast, he sent us he reserved us an Apache for the apocalypse. Oh yeah, yeah. He says, I'm gonna send a proper photo of one of my Apaches with your actual logo. It'll be forthcoming. Maybe you can put it up in the background of your studio. Cheers. Nick, I will guarantee a placement of honor in a studio uh-huh. if if that is something you do. That would be fucking rad. That sounds amazing. That would be cool. Yeah. I, I was blown away by the picture on Twitter. So a logo on a on government oh, property? God. Yeah. Uh, you know, my tax dollars at work. Uh-huh. God bless you. Uh in 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 the in the tornado generating zombie sparing sense of the word just try not to get like court court martialed for yes, vandalism or some shit and, I, and, and, and hopefully yeah. i don't want the fbi slash cia slash ncis or whatever showing up at my door i could spare that <laughs> yeah i don't want some golf girl showing up at my door uh-uh. some 45 year old golf girl yeah or ice tea get him out of here ice tea <laughs> i don't think that's ncis no it's i not. could i couldn't swear on CSI. it csi yeah. Is it? I think so. I thought he was like uh, Ice Cube. Is it Ice Cube or Ice T? It's Ice T, but I think he's in the Law and Order, like SVU. Those shows are all the same. That's who true. gives a fuck. That's true. All right, uh, one's on CBS and the others are on NBC. Get it straight. Ashley H said, "You guys spoke about the imagery of things transforming, like a cocoon and ch- cicada shell, which we didn't really talk about in this episode. No, not really. But we talked about it on the instant cast." Mm-hmm. Uh, from everything I've heard from the cast and Scott Gimple, this half season is going to be a lot of changes and become a very different show. Someone said it turns into something mm-hmm. from Alice in Wonderland, whatever that means. Yes, whatever what? that means. Chad's okay. going to come back smoking a hookah as a caterpillar. Um, just based from what I know from the comics, it seems plausible that the imagery was trying to suggest this very thing. Before it rained, they're at their lowest point, roaming around like a herd of walkers. Maybe the acts of God of coincidences are trying to say, yeah, things can get better. You didn't make this trip for nothing. Um, I would welcome that. I would see that as just as refreshing as a cold, harsh Georgia rain. Uh, Harsh Virginian rain. 
As far as Sasha goes, I think it was a deliberate choice to have her do the things that Tyrese was doing. She said twice now that she's not her brother, but here she is doing the same damn things he did last season, hulking out on walkers, nearly getting everyone killed. I don't think Michonne would have had a problem knocking her out, but she did just lose her brother and a boyfriend. That kind of thing would have been an asshole move, given the fact that everyone survived. You know what the asshole move is? Slicing someone with a bloody walker knife, <laughs> almost stabbing you in the guts and getting your leader bit on the arm. Uh-huh. Like, that is the asshole move. Not belting her across the face and beating her down, which Michonne, I think, should have done. I, like I said earlier in the cast, I don't completely fault Sasha. She's under a lot of stress. She's just had a big loss. I get, the I fuck get out why she might break. I said this earlier. I know you did. And I repeat, get the fuck out of here because, <laughs> like, I get it. If you're hungry and you're tired and you're thirsty, that might be an excuse to be a dick on, like, a road trip uh, to Walt Disney World with your family. <laughs> it is not an appropriate excuse to get try to get people killed on the road with walkers following you. All right. Uh, lastly, I thought they handled Maggie's grief pretty well. Watch out. Uh, someone's caught on to the internet argument. Mm-hmm. Uh, what did you call it? The devil... The internet advocate, yeah. Internet advocate. Um, Everything leading up to it was some bullshit, but it wasn't the same repetitive version of that aggressive grief. That's a fair point. Um, In the instant cast, I talked about I'm tired of everyone going like Hulk smash when they lose someone, but Daryl didn't do that, and neither did Maggie. It's true. Uh, Lauren Cohen was on The Talking Dead. Uh, Buckle up. And I thought it interesting what she said about the kidnapped walker. The woman in the trunk did remind her of Beth, and her closing the trunk was Maggie giving up the opportunity to save her. Just when she realized what she's doing, she couldn't get the trunk back open, and she figured it out just a little too late. Hmm. Again, okay, uh, nice. And I kind of surmised as much, so I don't mind her talking about that on The Walking Dead. Yeah. Talking Dead. Uh, LNA said, hey, gentlemen, I just had some observations about the craft of this week's episode compared to last week's. I know you were into last week's episode and from the instant cast on this week's episode, I gather you didn't like them. I kind of had the opposite opinion because from a filmmaking Hmm. perspective, I found last week's episode to be so poorly made that I was often annoyed. Um, I was surprised there wasn't more complaints about last week's episode. Visually, I think they did a very poor job of telling an effective story. There are some very simple shots that were included that were messy and if taken out of context would tell a very different story to the one we see in the episode. For instance, in one scene we see Noah, which I think he's laying on the ground, and the other two things that are in the frame are Tyrese's hand and his hammer. Anyone who's seen a horror movie knows that this shot is a visual shorthand to tell us that the hammer and Noah are about to interact. Like maybe Tyrese is about to murder Noah. Obviously that doesn't happen. Instead, it seems sloppy and confusing because we know what the shot is supposed to mean, but we're told it means something else. It's a very common shot in theater and television, a Hmm. hand, a weapon, and someone else either out of focus or in a vulnerable position. It's really only used to set up an act of violence or to trick the audience into thinking violence is about to occur. And then surprising with something else. Since neither of these things happen, and I don't believe either were the intention of the director... Uh, to me, this is kind of like when an author uses one word when they should have used another. It's a misuse of film language. Um, hmm. Okay. Do you think that's a fair criticism? That I didn't notice it at the time, but it might have been like there's there. I remember there's this one thing where someone did a takedown of the car chase sequence in The Dark Knight and outlined all of the visual storytelling rules that Christopher Nolan broke which made him feel distracted and took him out of the scene. I watched that and thought it was very exhilarating and exciting. And my takeaway was perhaps Christopher Nolan 
knows enough about the language of cinema to know when to break it appropriately. Uh, I think sure. maybe Greg Nicotero, who is a you know, he, let's call a spade a spade. He's a rookie director. Sure, maybe he is yeah. more prone to misuse this stuff. Potentially, I mean, Greg Nicotero has been around the horror scene for a very long time. Sure, so, I mean, the man is no stranger to the horror genre. Uh, I don't know how much he knows about filmmaking. I don't either. Probably m- way more than I do. Certainly. And he's, uh, he's had several quality episodes of The Walking Dead under his belt. Yeah. Uh, and apparently the the emailer knows a lot more about, you know, cinematic language than I do. Right. Uh, well, I mean, like, I, I, I see what she's saying because this, this book that was directed to my attention by the, the Nattercast. Yeah. Um, film direction. Film direction, shot, shot by, by shot. shot. Talks a lot about this stuff, like what it means when you do a certain assembly of shots. It's, it, it's the exact same yeah. way as taking words and stringing together a sentence. And it can be jarring when you do that to an audience. And, you know, like we talked about that, you know, if, if a person exits the left side of the screen, if you they come in on the other side of the screen, it's like even if it's subconscious, you're like, whoa, yeah. I've lost my place in what's going on in the cinema. Sure. So I think I, I, I believe what she's saying. I didn't see this as much. She goes on and says, if you compare that to this week's episode and scene where Rick is talking about the world that children have to grow up in now. We see in frame that Rick is on the left and Carl and Judith are on the right in the background asleep and oblivious. That makes perfect sense. This is a way of showing us what's on Rick's mind and acts as a way to reinforce his words and show us that he believes him to be true. Uh, Yeah, it's the the flow of left to right, you know. The the left to right flow means like looking into the future. What she says, even as Westerners, that's how we read and we scan the frame subconsciously so that, you know, naturally follows like literature. I also thought this montage at the start of last week's episode is weird and out of place for the show. It was clunky. It stood out and drew attention to itself. I agree with that. Totally. Yeah. And I think I said as much in potentially the instant cast. But then she says, compared to this scene uh, this week when the group was banding together to stop the walkers from getting into the barn, the barn scene is actually kind of basic. They mostly show close-up shots of the group pushing against the barn doors, cutting more and more quickly and building tension not only with the editing, but with little flashes of thunder and lightning. It's simple and way classier. Nothing flashing, uh, no weird voiceovers, just old-school, well-crafted scenes that make me think this director cares more about communicating in a good way than showing off. I, again, I, that's not my criticisms of the episodes, but I would not be surprised if Nicotera was prone to more showy things that might not follow the rules of cinema, and maybe this guy, who is hmm. kind of a rookie director himself, is more following the book. But I don't know. I'm not. I'm not that versed in cinema. Maybe I think there's also a balance uh, as far as like taking me out of the thing of the two sides of this. One, which is the language of of filmmaking, the the visual storytelling, and also just pure the the sequence of events don't make sense. Like if you like this, if you take me completely out of reality in a show where that's not the norm. I start to go, wait a second, wait a second. It doesn't matter how good your visual storytelling is if I'm questioning why these people would be doing these things. Like, for instance, at the door. Why Why is no one calling out? Why is no yeah. one saying, come help me, I can't hold this? Or like Maggie. Daryl says, I'm going to circle around. It abruptly exactly. to Maggie approaching these cars that they were 100 yards from and supposedly circling around being cautious. What the fuck? And I think there are examples of very good visual storytelling and very bad visual storytelling in a lot of these episodes. And they're not 
completely exclusive, right? There, there may be an episode where there are examples of both in there. Yeah, like the gorgeous shot of Sasha and Maggie on the other side of the storm it very, told yeah. us very much that these people are at peace. They've been through an experience, but the middle part was the problem, you know? like Yeah, so I'm not going to say that it's all good or it's all bad in either of these episodes. Yeah. Uh, I, I just think, you know, it, uh, your attitude toward them going in might influence what you see in yeah. these episodes a little bit, too. It wasn't Ashley. It was Ellen. I don't know where I got Ashley from. Mm. Anyway, uh, thanks for the email. Appreciate that. We got a little bit of feedback on the live rewatch, which I want to read to kind of encourage because we're okay. actively noodling on this. Yeah, and we're doing it again next week. Uh, Jacob S. said, finally, I or I, I really like the idea of the live watch and thought it was interesting. I'm not sure about others, but I'd be interested to check out, uh, at least on commercials, if you all talked about what you'd just seen. It's interesting because the feedback we've gotten so far from the other uh, I feel like the Jacob was like watching the television and then going back to see what we were saying during the commercials where we were just kind of like chit chatting and making fun of the commercials, which we got a lot of positive feedback before. But if more people are doing it this style than the other style, then maybe we need to do more analysis and kind of faux instant casting during the commercials. Yeah. Yeah. It's tough. Cause I mean, the, so the way we pictured the instant cast or not the instant cast, the live watch, I think is kind of just our our very initial reactions. You know, even more than the instant cast, you're going to hear us going, "Oh no, oh no, don't do that." Yeah, that's you're a terrible idea. On the couch I can't believe they us. just did this. Why are they yeah. doing that? Uh huh. Yeah, like you're sitting around with your buddies. Uh, whereas the instant cast is, you know, just our very basic thoughts about the episode. Uh, so so the commercials are going to be. I don't I don't know us just kind of having fun and riffing during the episode <laughs> uh, more so than even the instant cast right on uh so you had another one Somehow. at least that's how I play it I mean if people want something different I guess we could try to tailor it a little more to we'll see what people want but honestly it's still an experiment right now we're mm-hmm. we're still not something we're super confident in the format of yeah so we'll uh, see how it goes Corey J said I was a fan of the live stream thanks for putting it up after the fact for people to watch too you guys start off a little slow, but it really picked up in the second half. I would say not to worry too much about ruining the instant cast by talking too much, <laughs> which you guys question in the podcast. Yeah. The instant cast is a totally different animal. It's basically you guys summarizing your thoughts, and yes, a little bit of that will carry over, mm-hmm. just like it will on a regular cast. The great thing about the live stream was the jokes and seeing you guys cringe in real time. It was awesome. This episode sucked. Okay, well, thank you for saying it was awesome. Uh that, that's the thing, right? It's more like a riff tracks. So it's more like an MST 3K almost. That that kind of attitude. I think it'll be different for different shows. Like, you know, yeah. we can't do these for every show, obviously, mm-hmm. um, because then we would literally have no life, even worse than we are now. <laughs> but we're yeah. trying to do like one a week and probably our big tentpole shows. Like, I imagine we're going to do this for Game of Thrones. Sure. Um, you know, and, and definitely some of the times where we're just doing one or two shows a week, it might be easier to do that, but... Mm-hmm. And and some shows are going to fit the format better than others. Like, you know, Walking Dead's a more loose something to be fun, and we can kind of, like, josh around a joke. I don't know if that works for, like, Game of Thrones or, like, a Mad Men, where it might yeah. just be more of us, you know, questioning what we're seeing and, and reacting naturally. I don't know. I, I don't know. Just we, we got this idea because that was one thing that people put on the the um, – uh, the feedback forum we requested last year that some ideas for new features and people like, we'd really like to watch the show with you. So we're like, fuck it. We'll try it. 
Yeah. Josh P said, Jim mentioned that this episode reminded him of the Bachman Stephen King's book, The Long Walk. You might find it interesting that in season one, the season one showrunner Frank Darabont holds the movie rights to said books. No. That would be God, he should make those. Dude, Frank Darabont crushes Stephen King. Yeah. And him doing a long walk would oh, that'd be, be amazing. amazing. I find that entirely interesting, Josh. Can we can we get a Kickstarter Kick- together? Yes. Something. Let's talk with Frank. Can we throw a couple million francs away and say, do this, man? But only if we can collect the money in francs. Like I I want the actual Deutsch Deutsch Marks, Yes, Frank, I want the or the francs or the French, Frank right? currency. Uh, I don't know. I don't know, but I want the Franks, and I want to give them to Frank, and he can make that book. All right. Into a movie. Melissa said, I think this episode was about hitting rock bottom. It showed the group starting to actually live with the idea of a world with no hope at all. The magazine of the trunk I saw is another means of showing the world as a place with no mercy, filled with nothing but dead people and evil people. She is questioning the worth of living, and that was just adding to her questioning. I disagree that everyone is acting violently in their grief when clearly Maggie and Daryl are not. Fair point. They're both Mm -hmm. internalizing and being internally consumed. I think that these coincidences and quote-unquote acts of God are the way to show that where there is life, there is still hope, whether that's belief in God like Gabriel or just the universe trying to right a wrong or however anyone might describe it. The episode for me was simply put rock bottom, then hopelessness versus finding hope. Um, Yeah, I could get with that. I'm with you. It's hard to get more rock bottom than and that starving and dehydrating to death. And eating dogs. That's the absolute worst you can do as a human being. Worst you can do. All right, get. you're probably going to upset many people in many cultures, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I maybe we'll look back and this will be the turning point in the series to more hopeful... I seriously doubt it. <laughs> I think we are we are headed for... Yeah, same here. ...disappointment if we are thinking this will be a happy ending. Yeah, don't ever think that this is going to be, you uh-huh. know, the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy's <laughs> going to wake back up in the farm. Nope. Uh, tornadoes or no. Dan P said, 20 minutes in this episode, I pushed pause in the DVR and see the episode is almost half over and uh, expecting to see if the episode is half over only to learn that I had 40 minutes left. Ugh. It's taken four and a half seasons, but I'm now realized the only good episodes are the ones in which we either meet new enemies, defeat a group of enemies, or lose a character from the main group. Hmm. I find myself wanting to drop out of the show in the middle of each season, only be dragged back in by the good season finale or season premiere. Mm-hmm. They really need to figure out how to keep the middle of seasons interesting, and this episode is a huge drop-off from last week. Uh, I don't know if anyone has mentioned it after all this time, but maybe it's not a best idea to have a barn, a fire in a barn, much less one where the slats are at least an inch apart and you can see right through it. It was established in the first episode to keep the lights off. So what does this bunch do? Actually signaling they have a port in the storm. Fair criticism. Mm-hmm. Light up a fire. That's a walker beacon for miles around. Sure. Yeah. Uh so Bartos D has a question about Maggie and he says, what's next for her? Will we go back to the all is good behavior after what we've seen in the last two episodes? I'm afraid this will be the case for my experience watching mm-hmm. a lot of TV. This is a way a poor slash average television show works. Something horrible happens to a character. He or she is shown to be affected by this tragedy on the next episode. Everything is okay. And we continue on our story. We all know this is not how real life works, and the best shows know how to do this. He gives examples from um, Breaking Bad and, and, and others, which I'm not going to belabor because spoilers. Um, he goes, sometimes these things are really hard to watch, but it's also the really good television and really true to real life. What do you guys think? Will we see more of Maggie disturbed and upset by Death's Beth? Or... <laughs> 
by Beth's death, or have we seen enough and it's time to move on to the Aaron storyline? Uh, I'm, I'm torn on this one because... I'm ready for them to move on, as I said. It, yeah, I mean, if he's asking me what I think they will do, I'm torn. If he's asking me what I think I want them to do, yeah, I want them to move on from Maggie's storyline because... If they want to dwell, if they want to dwell on grief, I would like to see that dwelling take place in the form of Daryl. That's fine. If they're if it's a much if stronger they're, character, if they're wanting to wallow, I don't really want to see Maggie and Sasha. Kind of annoyed me with her reaction to her brother's death as well. Sure, and at the same time, there are characters in this show who have fundamentally changed in good ways. We mentioned Daryl. We mentioned Rick. Uh, I think those have been very natural progressions. Carol. Uh, they can do it. Mm-hmm. They can do it, but it, they haven't shown any confidence uh, inspiring stuff with Maggie. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned. They they had a, a lot of change with her and Glenn's relationship. Sure. I thought that was all good, but it has been downhill since season three. I'm ready for them to move on from that. Uh, real quick before the end, we talked a little bit about the Aaron Moses biblical stuff. Uh, Christina was one of the ones who wrote us in about that, said, I'm not too familiar with the Bible, but after a quick Google search, I found... Uh, from Exodus. So the frogs will come up to upon you and your people and all your servants. Then the Lord said to Moses, saying to Aaron, stretch out your hand and your staff over the rivers, over the streams, and over the pools, and make frogs come forth upon the land of Egypt. Mm. So Aaron stretched over his hand over the waters of Egypt, and frogs came forth and covered the land. It's sort of a coincidence, given the frogs in a riverbed and the camera lingers over, and then our new character, the L.L. Bean model Aaron. Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's a coincidence. I think no. it's a deliberate mythologizing mythological yes. mythologizing yep i think you were on to something okay i'm on to another fifth of whiskey in between here in the spoiler <laughs> section <laughs> is that all the feedback that's all we got okay uh if you'd like to give us more then you can do so at watching dead at baldmove.com on our forums which are going to be going down for maintenance for like 24 hours so They'll Lock be back. off till next week. Uh, forums.baldmove.com on facebook.com slash baldmove. I apologize. I haven't been as active on these as I usually have. I've been in gyms even worse than I have. We've been working very hard on getting some of this behind the scenes technology for Club Bald Move going. Yeah, so much stuff to do. <laughs> and uh, it's also, I haven't figured out how to interact uh, with the new live watch versus interacting on the forums and stuff as much. And plus, we're just super busy with podcasts. Like, shit, we did seven podcasts last week. <laughs> yeah, and we're ignoring some podcasts that we really need to get done. Uh, yeah, some we've got some stuff commissions and... that are stacking up that we're hoping to get back to. So, Yeah, good Good news is Breaking Good is, has its last week this week. That'll give us some relief. Plus, we're not, you know, we we did the instant cast for the and the double cast for Better Call Saul. We might have done eight last week, honestly. It's something insane, yeah. But, um but yeah, we'll we'll be getting back to normal levels of participation. I'm trying to keep up with my email. If I don't read it, I'm trying to give, and it's a substantive uh, email. I'm trying to get back to you guys. But I, I also apologize. got into Destiny last week, and that really fucked. Yeah, me too. no shit. <laughs> that is a bitch, man. I got it got its teeth into me, and then I ran right in. I got that for Christmas. Yeah, yep. and me and my boy were having fun playing, and then this torrent of awesome television happened. And I'm watching <laughs> so much more than I'm talking about. Sure. Like I'm hoping to get with Shane Bowman and uh, Cecily to talk about Banshee uh, this week. Uh, I'm watching Downton Abbey, which is having one of its best seasons, uh, most entertaining seasons ever. 
Uh, Parks and Rec came back. Here's it's always how... Sunny came back. Archers yeah. come back. Like all I fucking do is podcast <laughs> and watch television. That's how you know I'm I'm really really busy with other stuff. Is you I still haven't, haven't seen, seen the latest Charlie's episode of De- work, It's Always Sunny, which is an all time classic. You're two, but I'm two now. episodes behind it, and I own it on Amazon. Prime. Listen to us so complain about fuck? making a living from watching television. I know, assholes, Boo-hoo. assholes, we are. All right, that's it. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. No, we're spoilers. Gonna, I, yep, we're going to have a spoiler <laughs> section after the music if you're interested in that sort of shit. Yes. And if not, we will see you next week right after the episode. Actually, we'll see you next week during the episode. Tune in for that live watch. Live watch, 9 p.m. Eastern. And also, yep. you know, uh, if you can't watch it live, the great thing is it's we're, it's there. It is there. And Archives. on your watching on the central time, if you're doing a second watching, queue it up. Uh, get synchronized with their visual sync technology, and uh, hopefully you'll have yep. a good time. Sounds good. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next time. Until then, I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. See ya. We're back with the spoiler section. What do we have this week? A lot of stuff, or Robert stuff that makes Aaron mad. Fucking Kirkman, <laughs> stuff that makes RFK, Aaron mad, as we like to say. Uh-huh. Anthony B said, "Just want to let you know that last Wednesday, Robert Kirkman appeared on Chris Hardwick's new Comedy Central show at midnight. Oh. It was a Walking Dead edition. As the coast, the the Jesus, the guests were Kirkman, Josh McDermott." who is the mulleted one, mm-hmm. and Laura Cohen, who is the Maggie one. At one point, Hardwick asked the panel to come up with fake spoilers, and Kirkman replied with, eventually a character named N- Nagin is introduced. He's going to bash in Glenn's brains with a baseball bat <laughs> named Lucille. Uh, so The bat has not been named yet, right? Nope. That's its name in the comics. No, and, no, I mean in the show. In no, you're, of course. No name for it yet. Uh, Anthony B. continues, now since Kirkman is just blurting out an actual major Megaton comic spoiler in a TV show, I think it's safe to say that this exact incident will not happen on the show and that we will get another Kirkman remix once Negan is ultimately introduced. Personally, I'm disappointed by this as what makes Glenn's sudden and grisly death in the comics so shocking and dramatic is his deep connection to Maggie. No other couple in that show has this much of a mutual history. If they do remix it, that incident with other characters, I'm afraid it won't come off anywhere near as powerful. Hmm. I got another thing. Kirkman, what the fuck? Number one, that is a massive comic spoiler. A ma- I One yeah. of the few times I was yeah. genuinely shocked and angry when I read The Walking Dead. Okay? Because okay. you get kind of like built into the rhythms of the, show, of the, the comic, just like you do in the show, and you kind of have emotional armor about who's at risk and who's not. It was shocking. When Negan did that. Secondly, so you're trolling people that haven't read the comic book. You're trolling comic book fans because you're basically saying one of these things we've been looking forward to is just not going to happen. Or if it happens, you're tro- you're spoiling the shit out of your own show and you're fucking over comic fans. This is a middle finger to the fans. I've been saying it all along. This guy's a fucking asshole. He's a troll. He's a troll. And that's fine. If he is if he it. Ha- if he has fuck you money and he wants to forever burn the bridge that is his t- trust with the audience, uh, sure, sure. Just say fuck you, troll the audience, and see what happens. Like, I'm trying to... Go go live on a private island and do your thing like Notch does and 
be okay with that. I don't think you can care more about something than the creators do. And in the best television, like the Breaking Bads of the world, like, you know, the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, I never, I felt like, if anything, the people making it cared even more than I did about the goddamn show. Okay, yeah. Kirkman, I just feel like, yeah, he's got his fuck you money, but, you know, the comic fans got him here. The television show got him even further. I... I have a big problem with him being this cavalier about it. I don't because I don't have any huge investment in like, oh, I'm a big fan of the but comics. But as a creator a with a relationship and... with uh, of some sort with a fan base, I would never do what he's doing. Certainly. This is this is just beyond the pale. Even if I had fuck you money, which I don't, I don't think I would just be this like all you little people that have made my life awesome. Here's what I think about you. Yeah, no, I I totally. I think it's a dick move, but you know if that's what he wants to do, let I mean, him do he's it. Been I don't kind care. of combatant with listen with with people on his like talkbacks, which is his like letter column in The Walking Dead. Uh-huh. But this was just like I just when I found this out, I was shocked. Hmm. I was shocked and dismayed that you know something that I give a lot of care and attention to, probably more than it deserves, is I question what he what is his relationship with this property. And like now it's yeah, like this man. remix stuff just seems like it's I don't know. I don't and I don't know how you get a straight answer. Like if if you were to point blank ask him to his face are you doing this as a troll? He might just troll you again. Well, and that's the other thing is like, <laughs> like Chris I don't know how Chris to read asking this. for fake spoilers is the opportunity to come up with something funny. Yes. And he manages to do something petty and mean-spirited in my opinion. And that funny says a in lot his of, head, but yeah, what does that say about what he's thinking? Yeah, funny in the kind of same way as like push funny knocking amusing books to out him. of a kid's hands. You yes, know? very amusing to him, and potentially really mean to other people. I I don't know. I honestly I don't care. Like I'm not that invested in the show to where mm. like a spoil because I already know a whole bunch of spoilers and like right. this isn't going to spoil me. I knew that. Glenn but this died. is some kind of double reverse fuck you spoiler because now it's like if he doesn't do it. Yeah, like like I if, if either way if he, either way if, if this is a fake spoiler, then all this all these months we've been talking about Negan and how they're going to play it, and if John Hamm would be a good one, or if mm-hmm. uh, the guy that played uh, Al Capone, Stephen Graham, would or be a good the one. Fucking ex soccer player Sphinx from yeah, Gone Vinnie, in 60 Jones, Vinnie if, Jones. If if, if, if and, and how the they're going to do grabbing. the all that stuff that we've actually cared about and thought about. Fuck you, fuck you. It's not going to happen. Yeah, yeah, I. It's and if it turns into a remix where now it's like some guy named Began beats care <laughs> beats Daryl to death with the crowbar, it's like you didn't change enough the details to make that matter, asshole. Like I, just, you, I just don't you get, get very this up guy. in arms about this stuff. Yes. I, I don't care so much. Yes, I don't like a person that has. I just don't like a person that seems like he just doesn't give a shit. Like George Lucas. I always believe he gave a shit about Star Wars. He just was wrong about why it's popular. And I kind of thought hmm. that Kirkman was in that category. He's a man that made a very popular thing. Like, for example, I don't know why the bald move is popular. <laughs> sure. We talk about this all the time. I don't understand why people like us so much. Yeah. So if I was to take this thing into some other arena and, and make try to it again. And duplicate the like, su- what modest success we've had. I, it's it's dumb luck whether it would happen or not. So I sympathize with guys like Lucas. Like I had lightning in a bottle. I'm going to try to rebottle new lightning, and it blows up in my face because I didn't really understand sure. why people liked it. 
Kirkman is on the other spectrum. He just doesn't give a shit. I think his lightning storm is just so big that he at some point doesn't <laughs> it turns care. into a zombie tornado and pretty much. Care. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he'll, he'll just take out. I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess I need to move on, but he just needs to buy one of the, one of the 50 state shaped Dubai islands that they're constructing and be done with it. <laughs> be done with it. Go to his indoor desert skiing resort and be happy. Uh, can we talk about the Walker cut on Abraham? Yeah. Is this a spoiler? Because I don't know anything about this. So in part of the Negan storyline, Negan, Negan storyline that we're not going to see, apparently Negan gets a brilliant idea to like make poison arrowheads because one of the big plot lines is they've run out of bullets. Okay. So they're using spears and uh, arrows and shit, which is a great way to kind of show like civilization rebooting. He has a brilliant idea of smearing that with Walker guts. So you've got this demoralizing thing that even he was like, oh, well, we didn't lose anybody. They're all flesh wounds. But then these people turn into walkers behind safe zones and and yeah, and, yeah. and it's very demoralizing. It's a good idea. That's out the window. Like if Abraham doesn't die, which he might, I don't know. He It, it could turn into a plot point. But if Abraham doesn't die, that's all. And they do that later. I'm stopping watching the show. I will still do the podcast. I'll watch the previews and the and the previously ons and all. What a great I'll, podcast! I'll, I'll, I'll make as I'll I'll give it as much emotional investment as Kirkman does himself. But if they pull that, that like they can't do that now, right? Yeah, she stuck this blade in You're walkers right. and then right. fucking scratched him. That is more egregious than them kind of abandoning some of the walker bible principles this kind of happened with shane in season two and there was a lot of talk about well it's a different knife or he switched to different knife and like we kind of was bullshit sure. but at least they like oh we fucked up this was i i can't explain it what what if it happens and they come out again and say oh we fucked up again they've got new showrunners new Stop writers watching the new... show oh, i hear God. they're right, i hear they're rebooting it with a uh uh, maybe maybe I can hop onto that show. You have to find a new... You and Jason C. will have to get together. But you said you're not stopping the podcast, so you're going to continue yeah. to do... So you're going to rely on me for... No, I just... I think like, I can wing it. Oh, God. I'm going to Robert Kirkman it. I don't think you can. I'm going to Robert Kirkman I, the cast. You're <laughs> right, because right. I care too much. All right. Okay. Uh, Louis O. Uh, my big question is, I thought that... Um, Shit, what am I talking about here? I thought that Daryl was a fantastic tracker. Aaron, who yes. appears in the inn, whether he is really Aaron from Alexandria or not, has been following them for a while. Uh, I, I feel like I, I kind of should explain who Aaron is, but on the other hand, if you're listening to this, you're probably familiar with the comics and you know who he is. So so he's a scout. Is, is he some kind of scout for Alexandria? He His, his, his assignment is that he uh, they have these skirmishers that set out miles and miles away. And it's mm. brilliant. And they observe groups, and they see, does this group have children? How do they treat the weaker members of the thing? How do they talk to each other? How do they react to certain situations? And they're kind of like weeding out the governors from the ricks. And when they make contact with you, that's when they've kind of decided that you are enough to be trusted to make contact and 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 brought into the civilization. Oh, so he has potentially been stalking these guys for a while. And Which that's what the get. water that's is all about. That's how he knows. And maybe that's one of the tests. Like, how do you treat this water? Okay. Um, you know, so I, I, I'm excited about that because I think that getting to Alexandria is kind of phase two of The Walking Dead. That's a step of 
Yeah. How do you build the nation states again? How do you, how does politics work? How does community mm-hmm. work? How does collectivism, all that stuff. Uh, but he says, how does Daryl allow this to go unnoticed in the comics? There is no Daryl. So I can understand the oversight, but Daryl motherfucking Dixon, what will happen next? Maybe Rick will miss a Walker's head from five feet and hit its shoulder instead. <laughs> oh, wait, that's a I'm fair with point. You. I am with you. Like, I never thought that Aaron was that big of a backwoods ranger in the comics. Maybe he was, and I just missed it all this time. But if he's getting cl- got close enough to know Rick's name, it seems like that Daryl would have had some kind of sense that they were being watched. Yeah, probably. Uh, Sia wrote in and said, um, love your titanium, by the way. A banging track that. Um, I just finished listening to the podcast and had theories about Sasha replacing Maggie. The timeline may not work, but if she does replace Maggie in terms of the attempted suicide, she could also replace Maggie in terms of being pregnant. Since the actress is pregnant in real life, it could be a way to work that into the storyline, or on her show, the suicide could be a successful way to let the actress go since it won't be easy to shoot around her pregnancy. I looked for a baby bump in this episode, but I couldn't tell if it was there. No, I think she's already given birth, hasn't she? Did she? Wasn't wasn't she pregnant last season? They were talking about hiding her stomach during the scenes and like a, a pregnant woman getting her head smashed into a window by the maybe you're the guy from right. Slabtown. Maybe I, you're right. I think she's given birth already. Okay. Well, uh, then, and that would be why you didn't notice the bump. Well, then there you go. There you go. You're just uh, you're a trimester too late there. See ya. Yeah. Um, I could be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure. Okay. Michael P says, I don't know where the walking dead is going to go with the arrival of Aaron. That said, Kirkman just cannot follow the fucking comic book. For all I know, Aaron is really the governor reborn. Just before he was killed, Philip Blake warged into a bird, then to a hedgehog, then into Chad Coleman's dick, and finally into Topher, a Topher Grace impersonator. <laughs> Which, okay. Uh, he's yep. a little Topher Grace, isn't he? Is he? I don't know. A little bit of Eric from uh, the 70s show. Uh, I gotta he, doesn't, whiff, he doesn't really look like him. I, don't know I got a whiff of Topher from him. You really you didn't think you mm. looked like him? Nah, not so much. All right. I didn't, I didn't really take a close look thinking, is this guy like Topher Grace at all? I want to make sure. Uh, Edwin, wait a second. Jacob S. said, did you see them fucking with us with that rope Maggie kept looking at? Seriously, it was funny. And if they go- weren't going to do rope? it, I'm glad they threw a bone to comic book readers at least. Also, yay, Aaron. Now we know they'll make it to Alexander by the season end at least. Oh, double Aaron. Yeah. Double Aaron. Uh, yeah, then fucking the rope that's like, because Maggie tries to hang herself in the comic. Yeah, yeah. I didn't see a rope in this episode, though. I completely missed that. I did, too. And I was looking for it in a second watch. You still didn't see it? No, I didn't. But I could have. I don't know. I hmm. Maybe because I was also taking notes on my second one. And sometimes you yeah. look away for five seconds. and mm-hmm. Miss so. a, a lot. But if so, it's cool. And it's also like... Yeah. You know, I thought that Glenn was very heavy-handed foreshadowing, but there again, if Negan is going to be remixed into something else, then it's a fault. It's it's he's just loading it up with a bunch of red herrings. Yep. So, which I don't know. Um, Edwin C said, "Before I get into comic spoilers, I want to address Jim's response to Shiva, which is Ezekiel's pet tiger, because I don't think Aaron did her backstory justice for you, and it seemed made it seem entirely <laughs> he ridiculous. has a fucking pet tiger." Uh, when we first get her backstory, we find out that Ezekiel was a former zookeeper who has been with her since birth. According to Ezekiel, she bit him hmm. as a pup. 
or cub, I think is the correct term, Mm -hmm. because he didn't retaliate. They've been like a family ever since. During the start of the apocalypse, he returned to the zoo for something. We know that she's still in her cage and decided to take her with him. She does so shine of aggressions towards others, but usually listens to Ezekiel. And according to him, she never goes after anyone in his group because she feeds on the dead and therefore is never hungry. Hopefully this makes it a little bit more believable as I thought it was crazy too until I heard her backstory. There's going to be some people that that's a bridge too far. Like there's a lot of people when Michonne showed up, crazy dreadlocked uh, ninja girl with two zombie pets. People were like, I remember people noped out of that. Uh There was people that listened and that they seemed like, because I've never seen them feedback since. They're just like, this is a bridge too far. Forget it. And sometimes the walking dead does that. They got a tiger pet and you get either roll with it until it makes sense or you nope out. Yeah, yeah, and that's not even like I consider Michonne tame compared to she is now. But when she first showed no up, it was it was kind of crazy. Yeah, but not as crazy as a dude who shows up with a tiger who thinks he's King Arthur. Sure, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's the other thing. You don't crazy. You don't know all the crazy to this backstory. Oh my god. Uh, yeah. Uh, I might nope out at that point. (laughs) (laughs) The only other comic spoilers I noticed were that more signs that Maggie may try to commit suicide, but I think the arrival of Aaron, Aaron, God, it's fucking me up, kills that story. Lastly, the arrival of Aaron. I love the way they did this because it's exactly the way they did it in the comics. Hmm. Uh, Even really visually looked the same. Uh, I love the way they did this. Wait, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how the group reacts to his arrival in the show because in the comics, Rick's treats the guy by beating the shit out of him and believing him to be the enemy and his story is a trap. Seems Which, like that's where they're going with the preview. And that's I like that, that they finally taught this group a lesson that they're going to learn and it's going to bite them in the ass because they've got a peaceful group that's just like them and they're treating them like he is the governor. Sure. And that is soups interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll be way school. The show is probably trying to play out whether he or not he's the bad guy, but in the comics, he... Uh, probably being the gay character was promised, we were promised to meet the season as a scout for the Alexander Safe Zone, who's been spying on Rook's group. We talked about this. Um, also, I just listened to Instant Cast and want to note that Kirkman implies that God is a real thing in his comics. The most notable example is Father Gabriel, for who for some reason in the comics, when he is in an open zombie area, zombies never seem to peer around him. Hmm. When they meet him in the comics, he's just walking around and says he never really comes across them. And the character even notes that they've barely seen any since he joined the group. They're clearly not going it that far, but yeah. I did not realize that Kirkman is kind of on record as saying that capital G God exists in The Walking Dead hmm. and has some influence here. Sure, I buy that. The The show is definitely telling us that. Uh, Chris D. from Orange County, who you'll recall showed up uh, at our meetup at Stone Brewery when we were in San Diego last year. Yeah, yeah. Been about a year. Haven't had our uh, bipacks this year yet. No, not yet. Waiting for Jesse to get Lovecraft going. Oh, I should go. I thought you were going to yeah, say something. Yeah, no, continue. <laughs> no, nothing coming from me. He goes, Jim, you went a bridge too far last week in, com- oh, in the spoiler section of Walking Dead. Comparing the scribbling of Robert Effing Kirkman to the Holy Scrolls that are a song of ice and fire is not even a comparison to be made between the two. It's like God himself touched George R.R.M.'s pen when he wrote down those most holy of parchments. Hmm. Strong words. Yeah. Strong uh, words from I think we have a Game of Thrones fan here. Uh, (laughs) So sorry. Sorry. He's going to be pissed that I'm not even using the correct terms for the books. Song of Ice and Fire. That's right. Get it straight. Yeah. Got to have the ice and the fire. 
Stephanie M said, thanks for writing us in, Chris. It's good to meet you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Stephanie M said, just like they've been foreshadowing, foreshadowing. <laughs> it's that, that part fo- of the podcast. It's, it's kind of fake, but it's kind of not. <laughs> it's foreshadowing. Just like the Glenn picking up the bat. That's foreshadowing. Uh-huh. Uh, Glenn losing... Uh, <laughs> Like they've been foreshadowing Glenn's losing argument with the baseball bat. I think the show is foreshadowing Sasha as the sniper in the group. As we recall, Andrew's character huh. was a sharpshooter in the comics, and she becomes an important part in a couple of battles versus Negan. Evidence, Sasha picks off the walker from the rooftop when Rick was meeting up with the cops from the hospital. She also shoots all four dogs, granted, at very close distance, but she does this quickly and with ease. Now, I don't really see her replacing Andrea as Rick's love interest, but I do see the sniper angle, which would make the character way less annoying and definitely more useful. What are your thoughts? I don't see Sasha having a lot of chemistry with Rick. Um, The group, as it currently stands, I think Rick and Michonne have by far the most chemistry. And that's if I'm shipping. That's who I'm shipping for. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, Sasha, if she was like a weapons specialist and moved into that role that would make her almost immediately less annoying. Sure. So you have Mag- Maggie hang herself. You but have it, Sasha be the sniper. You have Michonne be Rick's love interest. And you kind of cover all those bases, right? Do you... The only thing is having Andrea, the sharpshooter, be Rick's love interest does set up for some very tense things that happens in some of these battles. Hmm. Okay. Whereas it's not going to be as personally... But that's the thing. I don't think Rick Kirkman thinks of this when he does his fucking remixes yeah yeah like you know to the extent that he's just kind of swapping musical chairs it's like that has impacts to the story and the story relationships that i'm almost 99 percent sure you don't think about or care about at this point yeah yeah so hmm. that's the feed that's the spoiler i had a okay. lot i had a lot to say I had a lot to get off my chest about this spoiler. Apparently so. Yeah, I'm looking forward I'm, to this tiger thing. I'm I'm livid, livid with Kirkman right now. I'm going to be real happy to see the tiger. Yeah? Yeah, I think, you know, I've been properly prepared for the if tiger. If AMC ponies up for the budget for a live oh, tar, my tiger God. and to have it in, like, a regular recurring feature in the episode, <laughs> I, a little bit of respect, sure. Or even, like, a uh, just a beautiful CG tiger. <laughs> A beautiful, glorious CG tiger. Uh, uh, they'll, they'll do Game of Thrones. Well, they'll take like house cats. Yes. And they'll scale them up to tiger size. All right. I mean, it works I'm for them. Why that. not? Just a, like a tabby. Just, yeah. <laughs> just scale it up. Get one of those like Bengal tiger house cats. They're uh-huh. like super fucking expensive. And to scale yep. that fucker up. <laughs> All right. Boom. Get a bobcat. That cat. sounds horrible. I'd rather have a CG tiger. Get a No, you get a white cat. And you dye it orange and black with stripes, and you blow that up. Okay, perfect. There you go. Uh, That's yeah, it. A real life yeah. tiger would be pretty amazing on a cable, basic cable show. I, think. I agree. Yeah. And I, I think the show needs to get ballsy. I think it needs to go crazy. I think it needs to do something. I'm fine with that. If they run this thing completely off the track, do it. Go for it. Yeah. Because it might hook me. It might just be the thing that hooks me. If you can't do like really solid proper drama and storytelling, go Gonzo. Yeah. It's the Banshee formula. It's the it's, it's the eighties B movie formula, man. Just it, hook me with Fast that. And Furious. It's yes. increasingly everything that Liam Neeson's doing. <laughs> it's like just if you can't sell the plot and characters, go balls out on action. Yeah, just don't be fucking boring. Sure. All right. I I, I feel like we are getting into the territory of being boring at the end of this. Yes. So let's let's move on. We're out. Uh, thanks, everybody. We're gonna do this again next week. So <laughs> that's a threat. <laughs> And a promise. A little bit of both. Uh, Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye-bye.